You are too stupid to use this. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 136 of Grumpy Old Ben's for Friday, February 19th, 2021. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where it's cold, we have snow, but we also have electricity. And from America's left coast, where the news seems to have been sucked into a polar vortex and all that's left is opinion. I'm Ryan Bemrose. That is absolutely true. Opinion and hate. Don't forget the hate. You cannot forget the hate. Plenty of hate. In fact, that's hate is an opinion. And and that's all that passes for. I, I was trying to get facts real quickly about some of this Facebook garbage that's been going on. And I, I you put it into, you know, you start, I always start with a, a search engine, uh, news.duckduckgo or whatever. And First thing that pops up, I got USA Today, I got Guardian, I got WAPO. I, like that, this is all of the whole front page. Every single one of them is pure opinion. Uh, a couple Guardian headlines: Facebook is gambling. Australia can't live without it. Imagine if we prove them wrong. This is what passes for news today. Yes, yeah, and it's not just Facebook; it's also Google, which makes it even more interesting. There's a war going on in Australia is standing up to big tech, something that the United States, I don't see doing. I mean, even when you had Trump in the White House, who was wanting to go after big tech, the Senate and the House getting them together to do so, not so much. Australia is well, doing it. I've, I've got to get news about that from, from Washington, D.C. for later, but let's talk about Australia first. Yes, Aussie. I mean, they're, uh, we've covered the story a bit, and it started out, Fairly uh, simply with talking about news and the people that create news in Australia. I mean, I guess I don't know if there's any real news there. It's probably all opinion bullcrap, too. But their news sources, the same thing as you deal with here in the United States. When you go to Google and you do a search, you'll find results for the news from a variety of different sources. Now, it's interesting that those news sources now want Google and Facebook to pay them to use the content, which then sends people to the news source, because you would think that would be how they would make money. Or what am I missing here? Uh, they want to make money. I, <laughs> I, I think you pretty much nailed it. Uh, they're they're seeing and, you know, this goes all the way back to the the problem that honestly kind of first came to my attention when we had Sir Carl on uh, where he pointed out that Google and to a slightly lesser extent, Facebook pretty much own all online advertising and online advertising is incredibly lucrative. And there are a lot of people out there who are saying, Hey, you're making millions or even billions off of our content. And that, you know, Google, yeah, the sites like uh, you know AU, ABC, and uh, news.com.au or they make content, and then Google resells that content, and Facebook resells that content, and then they pocket all the money 
that is made off of search content on that and off of ads cause. And I, yeah. Okay. So from the perspective of, of, Hey, we're the ones doing all the work here and writing the story. You just wrote an algo. I totally get where the Australia people are coming from. Well, the concept for the news people are saying you wouldn't have anything if we didn't have the content for you to show. But on the other side of that, would anybody find the content if Google wasn't indexing it or any search engine? Nope, nope they wouldn't. And, uh, you know, here's here's the real problem in a nutshell. Uh, the news companies who are, are are rightly pointing out that Google and Facebook are using their content and making money on it. Uh, you know, first of all, uh, boo fucking who uh, people every time you interact with another entity somewhere, you're you're doing so voluntarily. And part of the characteristic of voluntary interaction is that, yes, they 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 are entering into a voluntary interaction because they believe that they will get something out of it. That is what Google and Facebook are doing right here. And the that this was I mean, that's the crux of it. And the, the biggest thing that that really bugs me is all of this was voluntary interaction you decided that you want to be on the internet and you want to be visible to people who search you want allegedly to be found if you have an internet site yeah no i do there is one big problem and and it is it is the reason why i feel like google and facebook need to be beaten down a little bit and that is uh the the problem that these all these news agencies are finding themselves in is they are all in competition with one another, which means that if any one of them stands up to the big bad tech company, then it would be easy enough for Google to go, oops, you just fell out of our index. Now we're just going to work with the people who are are helping us out or who are paying us um, when you're in competition, you are vulnerable to if you do something that it that works against competition then the other companies will come out you know google doesn't have to get their news from this site or this site they can go out and get it from so there's a market disadvantage on the other hand google and facebook are monopolies and that's a problem in and of itself for lots of reasons and we're seeing it right now the the monopolies it if you are a news site you can't just tell all of the people who could put potentially want to search for your news to say, oh, really, I would prefer that you go use start page or duck, duck, go. It, you can't really do that. So there is a, a, a real power imbalance here between one side, which is monopolies and one side, which is in competition and therefore vulnerable to being shut out if they try to push back. So what was the solution that they stumbled upon? Well, the Australia government got involved. Hey, you know, monopolies are screwing our business model let's get another monopoly in here this one happens to be a government and and yeah and have the battle between them but this all comes down to how you value content and how you value news i mean it is interesting when you look at what news was at the beginning of the internet a little bit before the quality of journalism was better because if you produced a product that was better, your newspaper or your magazine sold better. And that's how you made your money. By having the better journalists or authors, you were able well, to make more money. That, but, that was definitely true in any city where there was more than one newspaper. Well, but now it's all watered down because where people get their news is no longer 
that one source that you would normally have. Unlike Harry Hamster, who just reads the Chicago Tribune, my dad still reads the Tribune and Sun-Times. But most people, especially if you're our age, you know, in the 50 or so and younger, the concept of getting your daily news is now completely different. And I've run into many a times, we've talked about paywalls when it comes to sites, and the Tribune has one, the Wall Street Journal has one, the um, there's a lot of these big papers now have paywalls. That when I run into a story, there's I was going to say there's nothing worse, but there are worse things. But when you run into a story now and you click on it and it's like, hey, if you want to read this, pay us. It's very simple. Either you take the headline and do an exact search for that and you will find it somewhere else posted. Oh, yeah. Without a paywall. So somebody is even if they don't copy the story verbatim, which happens often enough, there's plenty of other outlets that will release the story and that's what i meant by competition right now i mean that's exactly it with how you get your news that's the same thing with the search engines which are nobody's going to notice as we talked about even stupid little things like the woman rachel brummert i think her name was that one of these first when it came to covid starting like oh she thinks she got it from her groceries and i did a whole random thoughts on how many different outlets worldwide covered one story from one little television station in like South Carolina or wherever it was, the news domino effect now means you can pull off multiple sources out of the search engine and you're really not hurting anybody. Well, except the people whose sources you're pulling from the search engines because news, especially with social media now, has propagated in a whole different way that I understand why people are struggling to figure this thing out. And I appreciate Australia for standing up and saying they're not going to put up with what Google and Facebook are demanding they do. But on the other side of this, there's craziness on both sides. Both sides have a point and both sides are doing things right and wrong where when it comes to Facebook, I mean, this was well, hilarious that they just decided, oh, Australia, you can no longer post links to any news site in the world. And, uh, oh, yeah. And for, for anybody for anybody who hasn't been following the story and or didn't listen to No Agenda yesterday, um, what Facebook has done is uh, we, we talked about uh, Australia had tried to implement a law and we talked about on Grumpy Old Ben's. Uh, how this impacts Google, who, by the way, made a bunch of deals to with with Australian news companies. Right. They so, swore they weren't at first, but then all yeah. of a sudden. Yeah. Well, Facebook didn't make those deals. And in fact, uh, about the time that that they were going to start getting uh, the, you know, the law taking effect, Facebook made a change. And this was this one felt sudden to just about everybody. Um, the change made it so that people in Australia can no longer post links on Facebook period. And people outside Australia cannot post links to Australian sites. Um, the uh, interesting, this is the, the story I was, I was trying to research when uh, I basically ran across the problem that everything is opinion. It was really hard. What I just told you, it was actually difficult to get that information out of the news stories because so many of them were all, pure conjecture and opinion in news stories 
like, you know, the Guardian headline, Facebook is a schoolyard bully in Australian news row says you. I, I, what? <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, nobody so covers the again, facts. Opinion. That's not news. No. And that but, is that's the issue. I mean, even on things where opinion was taken into account for stories when you go back, I think even 10 years or so ago, were most networks, even CNN, that would be. If you were doing a story, say, if we were, if this was Rush Limbaugh passing away 10 or 20 years ago, somebody of his stature at that point, you would factually tell what happened. And then you would have on, you know, if you were going to go the route of, oh, well, let's, let's bash the guy. Well, you'd have somebody on that didn't like him. And then you'd have somebody on that liked him. That's how they covered the news. You saw both sides. Yeah. And then you were supposed to take everything you heard. And make an opinion. Now everybody wants their opinion spoon fed. Yeah. Now, now modern lazy journalism, they skip the part where they give you any facts and they skip the part where they give you an opposing opinion and they just give you their opinion. It's like when I, when I was younger, I took a, a daily paper newspaper and I read it in the bathroom and it, it did exactly what you just described. And not, you know, there was always the one page or or the foldout that was the opinion section right. and that was where the opinion columnists would go out and spew one side of the issue without providing a lot of facts just well doing what we do here on grumpy old bens right saying you know present except that we present information sometimes accidentally maybe but it seems like the entire paper is the opinion section they realize that that is what's sensational and and again, papers being in competition, they go with what's sensational because there's enough media outlets out there now that if you well, the problem is that the old style of news was a little bit dry. You know, can you imagine Walter Cronkite getting up on the show today or or Edward Murrow or, you know, the, right. the people oh, I'm Paul Harvey That actually well, was kind of entertaining. But it, but see what they did, the news and there's been a lot of talk of that with the past passing of Limbaugh talking about news people over the years and how there used to be those guys that Walter Cronkite where no matter what the story was, they didn't inject their viewpoints on it. They wanted to report the news and or, were, or they did so in a separate segment, right? Yeah. You know, that was it. They, there was factual based news. And then there was opinion, and now you're absolutely right. It is a vast majority opinion, and people don't pick up on that, or they don't understand that, or they don't understand the difference, which is even more concerning, really. Well, without going to old-timey radio, where are you even going to find opinion-free news anymore? I don't know if you can do I, it I, anywhere, really. I, I mean, like I said, I could not find information. I'm, I've gotten pretty good. My, you know, my, my bullshit filter is, is better than average. I think uh, it's because I don't judge, but I've got pretty good at reading a highly, highly opinionated slanted story and picking out useful information. But, but when I read a USA today article that is all about how, uh, you know, uh, another story we have today, anti-Facebook, how, Maryland passed a law that is totally going to screw over Facebook and, and they launched like 
there was that sentence and then they launch entirely into the opinion. And I scanned through the whole article three times and went, they never named the law. Right. Or what they're doing or what it's going to do. (laughs) Just that big, bad somebody, somebody hurt my feeling or made me mad. And now I'm going to tell you about it. That's news. Or that's that, what's that, passing for news. Well, somebody did something bad, and here's why you should be as just as outraged as I am. Yeah, yeah, it is outraged. Now, so, Facebook was this? Did they block all links on Australian Facebook, or just links to news sorts, news sources? I, it, it, it turns out that was extremely difficult for me to get. And if we have any any uh, experts in Australia, they might be able to tell us better than I can. Because not only am I not in Australia, I'm also not on Facebook. Right, right. Uh, but. The, the from what I was able to get, Facebook initially blocked all links and then backed off their position about uh, 12 hours later. We, I heard they accidentally um, like blocked the, some of the government links and yes. some of the links to their own pages. <laughs> yes. Uh, for, for example, um, you know, the the um, Western Australia fire warning site which apparently is really important if you live in a place which is on fire all the time and sometimes the fire flares up uh western australia department of fire and emergency services the bureau of meteorology because the the weather is apparently top secret or something i don't know um and and Facebook swears that it was inadvertent that they blocked those sites, but uh, gee, uh, you'd think they'd have enough experience by now realizing that when you start censoring things, then you have unintended consequences. That is an inevitable result of censorship. There's no amount of complexity you can throw at an algo to make your algo not censor things that shouldn't be censored. Right. Oh, there's no question about it. And these companies just don't. I mean, it's in the guise of, of course trying to think of the children and trying to keep all that hateful content offline normally. In this case, it's over money, which all of it's over money when it really comes down to it. I mean, do you really think these companies care about what kind of speech is on their platform? No, they're they're trying I, I, to maximize that, their dollar. I think there are a great many social justice warriors inside of the company who only care what kind of speech the company uh, accepts. Now, it turns out that uh, being a publicly traded company, they are still beholden to shareholders to make money. So I think your point still stands when it comes to the upper management. But yeah, these companies are totally infested with social justice warriors who want who don't care whether or not Facebook makes money. They only care that all right wing speech be deleted from the world. Right. Because, I mean, that's the evil stuff. But this this new stuff is interesting, mainly from the fact that we've talked about over the last few weeks. Poland and I think Hungary standing up and saying, yeah, we're going to force these companies that ban anything that is legal speech in those countries and find them if they decide they're going to use those as bannable offenses. So the countries at this point are standing up to big tech saying you don't get to make the rules for what happens within our country, even though it is on your service on your you know platform which this gets very very messy to then because this is governments now forcing private companies to perform one way that maybe they don't want to and every country as we've talked about different laws when i don't know how this all shakes out because i don't know what the difference is honestly between australian facebook and the Facebook in the United States. If I have my account 
that I started here. Now I'm an American citizen. If I just log into a Australian VPN and go to Facebook, am I all of a sudden on Facebook Australia? Or is this just depending on uh, some other factors? It's, it's kind of weird. Yes. And, and it has to do with a, a persistent illusion that is, is maintained by a number of Silicon Valley companies who want to push the illusion because of course they make money on it, but is, is a lie being told to policymakers in, in governments, which despite the global nature of the internet, and this is, this is the crux of why the, the internet is so difficult to work with. The internet is global. And, and as the point you were just making, it is really difficult, if not impossible to, fence somebody into a geographic location because the internet just doesn't work that way but governments are still local and for some reason we're we're either lying to policymakers or they're just self-deluding into believing that somehow on the internet you are capable of 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 taking control over just the part of the internet that intersects this one geographic area and that barely works with something on the size of china or australia or the united states and it doesn't work on something even smaller uh my second facebook story has to do with a a new maryland law that yes. they pushed in january of 2019 and we missed this because i would have definitely railed against this shit uh, in january 2019 maryland legislatures wanted to add a 10 percent tax on all revenue from all digital ads that target maryland ip addresses well democrats love to tax this was uh, the the governor who's republican vetoed this and then they went back and undid his veto i guess voted enough to undo the veto and this is the fight that's going on there well that's that's part of the fight but the other part and the reason why it hit the news just in the last couple days is uh that a a large number of trade associations including uh it says the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, the Internet Association, NetChoice, and the Computer Communications Industry Association, CCIA, who definitely represents Silicon Valley. I'm not sure about the other ones. Um, they filed suit in the U.S. District Court in Baltimore, claiming that this law violates the Internet Tax Freedom Act, which was a Ron Wyden law. We've talked about him before. Passed in 1998, signed by Bill Clinton. Uh, which bars federal, state, and local governments from taxing internet access and from imposing discriminatory internet-only taxes, such as bit taxes, bandwidth taxes, and email taxes. It also bars multiple taxes on electronic commerce. Um, it doesn't specifically outline uh, online advertising, but it sounds like they've got a case. Uh, the The Internet Tax Freedom Act was originally uh, designed to sunset after 10 years, but it was extended by Congress twice because it was still a very popular law and made permanent in 2015 under the Obama administration. So this is a federal law that was pushed entirely by Democrats. In fact, uh, in, in the passing of the law and the passing of the extension, um, there were a large number of Republicans who voted against it and hated it. I saw the vote totals. It was pretty much party lines. So this was a Democrat law that says, no, only the feds, get to decide and and states don't get to decide what to tax different parts of the internet differently. And Maryland's trying to do this right now, a bunch of Democrats. And they want to make a lot of money on this. And it's one of these laws, again, that is questionable for how it could be enforced. 
except to all these companies that, and I say all, the reality is the advertising online, once you get beyond Google and Facebook, is minimal. So Google and Facebook could just go, well, then we're not going to accept any ads that are targeting that state, which is well within their rights to do. I thought it was interesting, too, and I don't know how you feel about this, because we we are in a war in this country right now that people are really pushing against the larger companies or anybody that has money. Laws that only affect, and this tax, if I remember what I read correctly, was only companies that make like a hundred million or more per year are going to be taxed because, I mean, you know, a law that only goes after people because they make more money seems totally like a legitimate law. I mean, I can't even imagine, but this, I think, is where we're going. We've talked about the laws where the states where they're not enforcing the laws, like the, you know, the Jean Valjean law, which is, well, they were poor and they were hungry. So stealing groceries, you know, we're we're not going to. Sure, it's theft, but we're not going to enforce that. This seems like a similar thing. We are attacking a certain group because they're successful. If you're going to put a law into effect, it should affect everybody, not just a small amount of companies. Or is that just short sighted and me being a crazy person with logic? Um, you are being a crazy person with logic, which pretty much marks you as a right wing racist. You know this. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's me. Uh, just, just own it. Uh, it, you're, I mean, you, you're pretty much right. And uh, the, the reason why there's, uh, I, I, I was, I was actually trying to look up the Latin term for it. Uh, I wanted to say ex post facto, but that wasn't right. But there's, there's a, a concept in law, which of course a lot of concepts in law have Latin terms attached to them that says you should not make any laws targeting an individual. And that is, uh, that's the reason why you end up with, uh, you know, for example, a city will say, uh, you know, we'd like to put a tax on all companies that have more than 500 employees in the city. And you turn out and turn up and look at it. And it's like, oh, it turns out there's only one company in the city that right, has right. that. And and that's how they get it. You know, you are not supposed to make laws that target one person. You can't. It, it, it's not legal, at least in in Western jurisprudence, going back to the Magna Carta. It, it's not right. It's not legal. It's not ethical to make a law. That says uh, Darren is not allowed to use the microphone on Tuesdays. You, you just can't say that. You would you would have to say something like uh, any host uh, that is on the No Agenda stream more than four times per week right. is not allowed to use microphone on Tuesdays. Right. And and either way, um, that's not. I don't consider that to be a legitimate use of power because you you are not justifying in the abstract you are trying to come up with a loophole to get around and target a particular company and that's not ethical not that i've ever really accused politicians of being particularly ethical but i i the the politicians are not logical and that's that's pretty much where you were coming up with the contradiction that you were um, creating if you wanted a logical law you would start with what is the harm being done? Uh, what is what is the characteristic of of causing the harm? Let's let's address the harm directly. And when you create a law that says we're going to address a company we don't like, 
then you're inter- inserting bias into there. Now, maybe that company is genuinely evil and in the short term, the law will be great, but every law comes with unintended consequences, especially when you don't think them out very well. Right. Well, in this case, it's oh, only companies making over a hundred million a year or whatever it is. And that seems like, well, okay, you know, they can afford to pay it. And this is why we'll tell you it's not affecting the small businesses in the state who maybe want to advertise. This is where it gets murky again, too, because there's a lot of small businesses that advertise. If you're a local business, you need to advertise locally. I mean, if you have, you know, a small bakery, well, your range of people coming to buy the baked goods is a certain amount of miles away. And those are the zip codes that you need to hit. And if it's within a state that all of a sudden is taxing these ads, then, you know, it's hurting the businesses as well. But they'll be like, well, no, you know, that's only the small businesses. You won't be hurt. It's only these big bad people who are making over a hundred million a year until because this whole thing in the story was how they're trying to fund the overhaul of their education system in Maryland, which must be horrible because they need billions of dollars to fix it. But what happens when they realize that the big guys are just going to stop advertising in your crappy state because does McDonald's really need to advertise in Maryland? No. Does, you know, all of these big companies? No. So when you realize it doesn't, it's not raising you any money for you to rebuild your education system, that hundred million could disappear quick. And all of a sudden, every business that wants to advertise is going to be footing the bill for this. Uh, Yeah. Businesses that, that want to stay in business always make that that dollar conversion right there the the calculation uh you know if mcdonald's believes that even despite the tax or or if facebook believes that despite the tax they can still make more money by staying in maryland than not they're going to stay and if they do the calculation and go actually we're losing more money to the tax than we're making from talking to people then then they're going to pull out which is kind of what uh, the companies are talking about doing with australia <laughs> same um governments don't make that calculation because they have no such financial constraints uh and it, it's exactly the same rationale that leads to things like uh what was the city in california palo alto i think who said uh all grocery stores must pay five dollars more an hour to their their box clerks right or well, something everybody like that. for hero pay yeah and uh, suddenly, uh, you know, grocery stores are like, yeah, we're not going to make money that way. So sorry, you get a food desert. Right. Kroger, who is a national chain, pulled their two or three stores. They just closed them. Now, the little mom and pop stores that you only have one store and you just happen to be in that city, you're screwed. Well, they're screwed, but the same economics apply. Either they're going to make money and they'll continue or they're going to lose money and they'll go out of business and maybe they restart a new store somewhere else, but they're not going to be operating in the town. Right. And that uh, the, is the, you know, the, what people don't the same understand. thing happened in, in Washington state when uh, a, a governor law, uh, governor Locke and then governor Gregoire and then governor Inslee all have looked at, Hey, we've got these huge industries in Washington and they are amazing cash cows. And, um, you know, we, we had Microsoft, we had, uh, Amazon and we had Boeing forever. Boeing's been, a, you know, a Washington staple for 50 years. They, it was airplanes are made in Washington. That's how it works. And, and, uh, the politicians are like, well, we know airplanes are made in Washington. They've got all these plants here. And, and so, uh, you know, Hey, cash cow, 
And so they raised taxes on Boeing and they said, you know, in fact, it was another one of those taxes where they're like, uh, we're going to raise taxes on anybody in the aerospace industry making more than a certain dollar amount per year, which is just fucking Boeing. Right. And Boeing got up and moved their headquarters to Chicago. Chicago yeah. And now they've uh they're talking about more and more layoffs in their Everett plant and they're talking about closing their Renton plant and uh, Boeing is pulling out of Washington state because the idiot democrats around here got too greedy and Boeing is moving you know, they they're moving their 787 production to South Carolina who doesn't have a corporate ta- tax rate the way Washington does and they're you know um Washington uh, like a standard left coast state, because this happens to California all the time, it got too greedy. Um, you know, Silicon Valley corporations that want the hell out are getting out of California. They're moving places like Texas because California taxes them too much. It, it, you know what? When when you have a successful business in there, it 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 had just a note to governments. It doesn't pay to get too greedy because if you kill the businesses, then it doesn't matter how high you jack up the corporate taxes. When there's no one to pay. Right. It's a balancing act. There's no doubt about it. And you need the businesses to be able to pay the employees, which are the people that live in your state. Now, the more taxes you put on the company, the less they can afford to pay the people in your state. So you're hurting them. If you overtax them to the point to where they leave, then you've totally lost everything. And this was a big reason why, uh, Barack Obama, when Donald Trump was campaigning, saying, if I'm elected president, I will bring all of these industries back to the United States that have left for India and China. And he's like, what does he have a magic ball? Well, yeah, obviously, or a magic wand. (laughs) He may have magic balls. I don't know. But all of a sudden, he lowered the tax rates for these corporations. And sure enough, a lot of them came back to the United States. Obama lowered the tax rate? No, Trump did. Okay, yeah. But Obama was asking, like, how is Trump is promising this? How is he going to do this? Does he have a magic wand? You know, it's like, no, it's it's called the incentives. Yes. People people respond to incentives, especially bean counters respond to incentives very well. So any company that wants to be fiscally successful, financially successful is going to respond to financial incentives. It's. The the worst thing about trying to argue with a leftist is in, in at least the ones that I talk to is that they really don't get the idea of incentives there. It, it's too nuanced to say, well, if we if we make it attractive for somebody to do this, then the you know, if we give them the carrot approach, then people will do it and we get what we want. But I just. People who don't understand nuance only see the stick. They're like, if people don't do what we want, we'll send guns to attack them. Right. And they don't understand what happens when all of the industry leaves your country. What are you left with? A bunch of podcasters and journalists. I mean, journalists. Uh, is yeah, what you wait, get. Okay. We, I, I've seen the podcaster. Where are the journalists exactly? They are the podcasters. I think. <laughs> okay. That's what I was thinking. Same people. I think we already have enough of a uh, credit to just start writing for the new york times i think we have enough by doing these shows i think this gives us enough credibility okay you know what we're way better than that don't don't (laughs) screw over our chance yeah you know what i would i would be more respectable writing uh my opinion articles on toilet paper in the bathroom than writing on the new york times 
I will say what had to be a cut and paste job because of what was going on in Texas. And we'll get there with the power. Lifehacker had an article how to stay warm when the power is out. And there yeah, was in the New York Times. That would have been a better idea really and i'm not even saying burn their their newspaper i'm saying go to the go to new york <laughs> find the the tower <laughs> hey they could use that building for something else but there was a whole paragraph and it leads me to believe this was just some other how to keep warm article they recycled oh, because there was a I, whole paragraph on using a space heater and i'm like oh my gosh are there any gas i mean somebody said there are a couple of there, there, there are and you don't use that shit indoors right i mean there was maybe one i found online that was a gas yeah. one that was safe allegedly run, but no running an extension cord to a city that has power <laughs> yes a really long extension cord but this was the it, kind of journalism you get and it's like well are they responsible if somebody dies because they write no no but uh yeah always double check i was i would like to say dumbfounded i was only slightly surprised on the plus side when the news is all online no you know that nobody in texas is reading your article right well unless they have a phone and i was kind of curious if the internet also went down because if the power goes down in a large enough area then of course the companies the cell towers are out right the cell towers are out your isp you know comcast whoever the local uh isp is down there if their servers go down if their routers go down, then the internet goes down. But I was only yeah. slightly always, surprised when 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 Lisa was working tech support. I always loved the stories she came back with whenever whenever there was a power outage over a large part of the county, and uh, she would have to field calls from people saying, uh, "My internet's out." Well, um, we notice there's an outage in your area. Well, yeah, our power's out, but the internet should be working fine. Um, they're not yeah, related like, or, are they or people say people say i have a generator so um my computer works fine so i should have internet how come it's not working i'm like well because we're not running a generator at the switching station right your isp doesn't have a generator if you'd like to buy them well, one, like, it's not worth it <laughs> no i mean and, and, but the level of preparedness or the level of people understanding the most logical things. I mean, I knew where Adam Curry on the No Agenda show was going yesterday when he was talking about his neighbors with the gas stove that didn't realize, you know, because they have the little electric starts. It's magic. You turn the thing on, it goes tick, 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 and it starts because there's a little spark that comes out because it's plugged into the wall. And yeah, that's all the electricity it uses. Right. Now, when the electricity is out, I guess there were people in Adam's neighborhood that were like, oh, I'm you turn on the gas and it doesn't start. So I can't cook on my gas stove because I matches. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> yes. Congratulations. They didn't know you could light I, the burner. I, my, my gas grill has one of those little tick, tick, tick things, which by the way, only works if it's above 65 degrees outside. For some reason it, it doesn't work. I probably could replace it and make it work. But what I learned a long time ago is you just get one of those little hand lighter, like a, it's like a normal lighter, but it's got a trigger and a, and a long, long, right? Yeah, a long, like eight inch long thing. And I just stick that into the grill and light it that way. It works great. I don't need to use the the battery powered. There were people yeah. that didn't realize you could do that because the education system, I mean, like in Maryland, is horrible. They're not teaching you the simplest things that could keep you alive. Well, what what you just described is is an inevitable result of 
of living in convenience culture. And oh, yeah. for the most part, when things are reliable, that's good. For example, um, I, I don't have skills required to weave my own clothing out of sheep's wool. I, I have somebody else do that for me. And if all clothing factories in the world stopped, I'd probably end up having to go naked with a tattered robe and a cat and that's it. But it turns out that um, I, I can reliably believe that clothing will exist for as long as I need it for the most. I mean, if, if the zombie apocalypse comes, maybe that won't be true. And then I'll be, I'll then be cursed to trouble. be naked. Yeah. But, um, it, it's just an example. You know, people, <clears throat> when, when you know for sure that you can push a button and your food is warm or you, you, you know, microwave ovens killed a lot of people's ability to cook for that reason. If, if you, if your life has become so convenient that you don't have to have the basic skills, you're not going to develop the basic skills. And what we're running into is things like, well, every time I push this button, I just got heat and I don't, if, if you've never, if this is the first time you've ever encountered a situation where heat didn't come out when you push the button, then I kind of understand where they're coming from. Not everybody goes out and reads old encyclopedias like, Oh, that's how this works. Now, if you want to be educated, I think you should, but well, but we, I don't know how to, I don't know how to, I don't know how to spin my clothes. I don't know how to tan leather. Yeah. There are I've some things to do that. you need other people to do, but basic things like, you know, turning on your stove, maybe you should know. Although we did our evergreen episode. And for those of you who are a little bit newer to grumpy old Ben's, we did like the first 40 or 50 episodes of this show based on one topic, not current events, the more larger big conversations about a very singular thing and we did episode six on april 29th 2019 so coming on two years we did the episode on convenience culture so this was another one that was early on your list within the first five actually probably within the first four because we also had a chat with george trombley at number five and we had the first live show with larry on two so this was within your top five things that you wanted to talk about because you were the guy that had the list of things for the evergreens. And like two years ago, we hit on this. And I believe we talked about in that episode, a story that I saw that millennials, a high percentage, I don't remember what it was, but it was like over 50%, like 60, 70%. If a light bulb went out, they waited for somebody to help them replace it. And it's like, oh, my God, how are you going to survive the apocalypse? And again, if if you're in an apartment building where you've got a super who knows how to do all those things, because this guy never gave in, got into convenience culture. He realized he could make a lot of money by learning how to fix drain pipes and replace bulbs. Changing a light bulb. Yeah, screw you know, it. <laughs> if. if not everybody has grown up in a place where you didn't have people to do these things for you. You know, if you know somebody that can't, how many, how many millennials would know how to clean their uh, luxury apartment if, if they didn't have either their parents or Mexicans to do it for them? Oh my God. That was so racist. Oh yeah. Ryan at grumpy But I'm just wondering those millennials that can't uh, figure out the light bulb. If they have kids, I wonder how that happened. Cause I mean, Sex must be really, really confusing for them. They can't well, figure it out. It turns out ball. that we have instincts for that. Even even the dumbest people can generally figure out how 
that slot A goes into tab B and that's how new people are created. Oh yeah. Even well, them with his Well, they kids. may not know that's how new people are being created, but they know that they want to do it. And somehow new people are keep arriving anyway. And then the stupid people outbreed the ones who want to think about things. Well, and again, the consequences hit them afterwards. Congratulations. Yeah. Welcome. Welcome to the game. Yeah. It's how I, we, we, we did this thing that both of us felt really good and we had the urges to do and and how come I'm gaining so much weight now? <laughs> Wait for the bills. Wait for the yeah. bills. Nobody wants but this. I mean, it's sad that people aren't prepared. And I mean, I've seen a lot of people say or, you know, memes and stuff like nobody should ever make fun of the preppers ever again. And yeah, there's a certain. Uh, no, we really should make fun of the preppers. There are some, some of them yeah. are utterly ridiculous. Yeah, some. Oh, yeah. Some went way over the top. But you know what? It turns out having at least a few days worth of food, water and the ability to heat your home if the power goes out. And this whole thing in Texas, man, uh, that, that's just nuts, too. But all right, let's finish up on the. I, I would just point out that what's far more useful and, and more viable than being a prepper is knowing where your nearest preppers are right, and having more work. guns than them. Right. Let them do all the work. In the case of an apocalypse, that is how you're going to survive. Yes. Yeah. There's no question about it. And then nobody will be worried about what's going on on Facebook and Google who do control. There's no question. They control. Oh. And I've been saying we, that a lot. We, we, you know what? You're making the apocalypse sound pretty good right there. I know. And I, I keep saying uh, there's no question about it. I've been saying that a lot and I don't know why. I don't know where that came from. Uh, yeah, I liked how somebody called you out on that. <laughs> yeah, and it's like it was. Well, it was just like you saying choke point, choke point. Choke. I didn't even hear it until Fletcher uh, mentioned it, and then John I that Borak, that up. <laughs> John is obviously was listening to us. What do you think? I I, I wouldn't doubt it. I we it's possible we put that. I think it was Adam that said it, but I I it was very possible that we did that, and I'm totally willing to take credit for it. Choke point. It's choke also point, possible that point. I said it and Adam said it for the same reason, which is that's what it is. Well, and, you know, I think JCD said it and he was targeting you. So maybe rather than making you look foolish, he was just going to steal all of your uh, best bits and use them. I, like I said, I'm totally willing to take credit for that. <laughs> I know you are. Uh, we're we're giving no agenda all their best content. We've known that for years. Oh, yeah. We've been trying to do that. We're basically the writers for that show. I mean, a lot of people don't know that. Uh, Including no agenda, including Adam and yeah, John. Yeah, including John and Adam. They don't know that either. Completely unaware of the yeah. fact. Uh, but when it comes to the online advertising, that is the concern. There was a story a few weeks ago about uh, one of the lawmakers talking about that, that this has to be broken up. The monopoly on advertising of mainly Google, but Facebook is up there when it comes to the ad revenue. And I don't know how you do that because they have the platforms. The only way to cut down the amount of advertising that Google and Facebook own would be to have people using other sites for social media and other sites for searching, because that is, well, that's part of it. I mean, to be fair, Google ads show up on a wide variety of other sites because people want to be paid for ads and Google's one of the places you can go. I mean, if we wanted to put Google ads on our website, we could. So I don't know, though, again, how you force competition into these areas that would take the piece of the pie away from them, because you're not going to get people away from using them for a search engine and using Facebook as the social media. 
And if you even and that, I think, is a majority of the ads. But if you even just focused on the ads that Google sells to other third party sites, how do you change the business? I mean, it's like you have to have somebody well, else. The, that you could say use them. The, the stock, the stock approaches that, by the way, have never been tried in any real world institution because this is so completely unintuitive to a lot of the people who want bigger government. But the stock approaches to eliminating a a monopoly, uh, the first thing that you need to do is look for any regulations or taxes that prevent new people from getting into the business. And uh, it, it turns out that the the online Silicon Valley industry has a lot fewer than most other industries. Most industries are regulated to the point where they naturally create monopolies because it's impossible for people to new people, new organizations to get in and and compete with you know well while complying with all the regulations that the big companies have entire departments to deal with um there's not as much of that but there's certainly uh you know for example uh how do you break up broadband uh monopolies well you remove a lot of the local restrictions that prevent new P- new ISPs from popping up how do you uh how do you block a a, a searcher online monopoly um that's good question <laughs> well, well i mean i i i have to believe that competition is the solution uh somehow and and fostering competition and yes. the best way to foster competition is usually deregulation but let's turn this around and realize that people who the people who really 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 want to break up these monopolies are not above deciding to use uh, authoritarianism and an increase in government in order to do it and if that's on the table, then uh, unintended consequences be damned. You've got a lot of options. For example, um, this Maryland law that says, uh, you know, let's try to subdivide the Internet by IP address and take the ones that are are geographically located in this area. And as long as that illusion that IP addresses can be subdivided geographically and therefore you can map geographic lines on the map into the internet as long as that illusion holds up then it's really really easy to say for example uh well we've decided that no company may have a single social network that crosses state lines uh, i mean that would certainly screw over someone like facebook everybody uh, yeah everybody well again unintended consequences be damned if you're only if you're willing to use heavy-handed regulation and your only goal is to break up facebook there's a lot of stuff out there. I mean, if nothing else, um, we, we've already got lots of precedent. Uh, just have the FBI doctor some evidence that they've done some wrong and mount a raid of hundreds of FBI agents with shotguns going in, uh, into their headquarters and arrest everybody. That'll certainly have an effect. But when it comes down to starting a new business, and I know there are probably some already out there that are close when it comes to search. I mean, obviously there's Microsoft's Bing. I mean, they were ready to step in. I'm sure they were in uh when it, in Australia. When yeah, all but this- they're so damned incompetent. Yeah. That well see, that is also the millennial way. It's not it's equity. It's not about equality. It's not about I want the best, you know, I want to actually have somebody work to provide the best service it is. Well, you know, Google has this many people, so I mean Bing should have this many people. I mean, the reality is the same concept would be, you know, no agenda has wasted so many more listeners than the grumpy old bands. We need to take some away from them 
and give them to grumpy old beds, whether the fans or producers want to go or not. You know, <laughs> that's equity. That's, uh, you know, that's the concept they're working with. But if Could, you were, not we just take a bunch of people that aren't listening to grumpy old Benz and force them to listen? I don't know. Cause could we, I mean, as long as we're fitting those headphone things onto people's heads, right? That's true. That is, uh, that is true, but it, it just, it's, it's un, the whole thing is kind of, uh, unnerving when the people that are making the laws don't understand how it quite works. The concept that you can break these things up onto a state by state level again, VPN. So what's going to happen if you decide, oh, we're only going to tax this company for this. And then, well, everybody just uses a VPN. You know, if this is going to cost consumers more. Well, obviously, if if you build enough infrastructure based on the illusion that all IPs have a unique geographical location tied to them, which, by the way, has sold has been sold to everybody by companies who sell maps of IP addresses uh, or, yeah. or databases with geolocation lookup. They, they, you know, that that's one thing Silicon Valley is really, really good at is, is somebody says, I want to do this impossible thing. And Silicon Valley says, well, if you trust us, I can claim that it's possible and then sell you a bunch of solutions to make it look like it's possible. And And that's kind of what geolocation software is all about is, is it's, it's lossy. It doesn't always work. It's unreliable, right. but a lot enough people want it that, that it sells. Um, in order for that assumption to be correct, you're going to have to outlaw all the VPNs. Well, right. Cause that's the only way not to screw with the system. And I will say, I mean, even when not on a VPN, almost every site that tries to guess your location, some get a lot closer than others. I mean, some are just totally off. My favorites are the when you're running through a VPN quite often without asking, Amazon changes me to the Spanish version of the site, which I don't understand. <laughs> I don't, but this is uh, some of my favorite stories were were from years ago when when the geolocation databases were just starting and there'd be like there there would be a story of this one farm in Kansas where uh they're constantly getting people showing up uh you know looking for lost kids or uh looking for stolen items or being really angry that you know i i traced my iphone to this location and and the farm was of course uh they were innocent but they happened to be in the exact geographical center of something which was where the dot ended up for all the ip addresses that they couldn't find a location for <laughs> that that's bad that is bad you need, you uh, modern need databases they solve that a little bit by uh if they don't know then they'll they'll put the dot in the middle of a lake or something yeah well that's good the people could just drive right into the lake but yeah the the people who who totally believe that when you look up the location for an IP address, it's always completely accurate. You just go ahead and ask your your Google directions or or your Apple Maps to say, get me to this location. They'll be like, okay, turn left here. But that's a boat ramp. Yes. Now drive forward 80 yards. Yes. You'll feel a splash, but then you'll be, you know, everything will be quiet and dark yes. and cool. But I don't know how you compete with, we've talked about this with Amazon and the Ebays and all of this. If you're just going to go with the solution of, well, somebody needs to compete with Facebook. Well, okay, there's MeWe and a variety of other sites that are trying to do that, but they're 
amount of people using them is, you know, probably one to every hundred people on Facebook. There may be one there. The same thing with Google, which is there are other people using alternative search engines, but it is still a minority of people. So it's like you're kind of wanting to change the consumer's behavior to somehow hurt the company. And I don't know how you do that. Well, there's uh, again, the, the two methods, carrot and stick. And uh, the the knee jerk reaction from the authoritarian is that there is only a stick, but that doesn't really work very well for all consumers everywhere, unless you're willing to do something like lock down healthy people for an entire year based on a virus that really is isn't is just a seasonal. But um, normally you don't go out and punish the entire public for not doing what you want. Um, so how do you do that? Well, you come up with incentives. Uh, maybe the incentive is, uh, that I'm, I, I don't know. I, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about, uh, you know, what did Bing do? Uh, they, you know, attempted to get people to do searches and Bing rewards comes to mind. That was, that right. was totally an incentive program. It's, uh, you know, do your web searches here. And, and of course, Microsoft screwed it up and I'm not sure it was ever going to work, but it was an incentive program it said we we would like you to change your behavior and do your web searches on our engine. And right. I, I would believe it worked for some people. We'll pay you to do your searching here. And that it does make sense because that's how credit card companies work with the percentage back that brings people to use their card. And it's it's a it's a strategy that works fairly well because i can tell you that american express at least for the couple of cards that we have american express gives one percent higher than anybody else on groceries so you know how we pay for the groceries american yeah, when, express. When, when when all else being equal and you're sitting there sifting through your wallet in front of the teller behind that giant plastic screen that everyone installed. Oh, wait, you still go uh, into the grocery store? I just, I just, go uh, I, I don't, I don't because they, they've recently changed their policy. If I have a medical exemption for not wearing a mask, then they say, okay, here's a face shield. And I'm like, okay, you guys are completely lost. <laughs> I know. I think you look great with the face shield. Just go in the robe though, with a cat in one arm and then just walk around in your slippers. That'd be good. That is so tempting. Uh-huh. It'd be just like the uh, big Lebowski, right? The the people in the troll room are uh, we we were discussing IP addresses and they were pointing out uh, like you know my IP is one ninety two one sixty eight dot one dot ten you know geolocate this and, <laughs> and that's true for you know if, if you're going to eliminate all VPNs you also have to eliminate all NAT so if for example if if you're going to if you're going to try to geolocate everybody and you know how would we do this well the first thing I do is uh. As long as I'm willing to be as heavy handed as possible, um, I would force the remainder of the transition to IPv6 because then you have enough address space to pinpoint every single dot on the surface of the earth. Um, then you have to get rid of, you know, obviously you have to ban all VPNs and you also have to get rid of all network address cancellations, all any NAT. So the, the 182, 168 addresses, those are out because you can't have, you can't have any kind of virtual address, every single address, every IP, in the world, then, you know, when, when you start parceling them out, you, you can't parcel by ISP. You actually give every spot on the earth an IP address. And whenever somebody needs to 
uh, have an IP, then they're allocated the one for whatever spot they're taking up. Uh, you know, somehow, I, I don't know. If you're willing to be heavy handed enough, uh, yeah, IPv6 could do it as long as you abolished all of these terrible translation techniques. Right. And anything that people are doing to try to obfuscate advertising companies figuring out yes. who they are, which is why the people doing stuff like the Winston privacy thing are doing really good work when and, it comes and by the way, to the total, concept. total side note, when when somebody needs me to enter an IP address and I want privacy, one of the first things that I always try is I set one of the you know, there's there's the four numbers. I always try to set one of them to 269 in the form. <laughs> there is no 269. Well, there, there's not. But if the form accepted, I'm totally putting that in. I've never run across a form that wants an IP address, unless it's something where you're trying to set up a uh, so you can access a site. And then that's not your IP address. So that well, the, so in that uh, case, you want it. Yes. Yeah, well, I mean, when, whenever I use a VPN, I also spoof my IP address as 269. Oh, well, you know, you are you are so very because because it takes hole. a real skilled programmer to to put nine bits worth of data into an eight bit value right it takes a really good hacker to get to an address that doesn't exist yeah or or even to put one into a single byte right or does it exist though maybe it does maybe, maybe we're in the matrix you know what those are yeah those are the nsa listening posts right oh yeah you weren't supposed to tell people that <laughs> that's that's oh, QAnon why, why not stuff. they're late on their payments to grumpy old ben's yeah this, this is the kind of stuff that gets you taken off facebook and google and youtube They'll be like, they're QAnon guys. Ah! And maybe, who knows? maybe that would be a compliment that maybe, maybe um, the, the problem when it comes down to advertising on, uh, you know, a, a story that's kind of running parallel to this was that it seems Facebook was allowing China to buy ads that uh, were basically saying, ah, we're not treating those eager uh, people bad at all no no you know no and uh, it, 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 oh, how did you pronounce that was it Uyghur? i i've heard that i i just wasn't sure i wasn't sure if you knew an authoritarian uh, uh, authoritative <laughs> if, if you knew i because i don't know um i'm I mean, going by I, how adam curry says it mainly okay which is that Uyghurs. works Uyghurs? because uh, yeah. i've also heard oigers uh I, I mean, it, if we're looking at the word, it could be ug here. Yeah. Looking at the word, I'm like, I'm not even going to try to say it. That's, <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. I'm sorry. That's where I come down from. But I mean, the interesting thing is, when, that, again, we're that going. That group of Muslims in West China who are being totally screwed over by their government, but China, the Chinese government doesn't want anybody else to realize what they're doing. Right. Because, you know, putting people into concentration camps, yeah. I, I guess, is still frowned upon although yeah, I don't know. apparently not even united not even u.s democrats want to condone the chinese government straight up hitlering an entire group of people yeah but they still won't even admit that antifa is real i mean joe biden still says antifa is just a a thought it's just an idea it's not really a group. which which is total bullshit because joe biden has not had an idea or a thought in three years no well that's that's true but Joe Biden did say white supremacy is the big problem that he's putting his whole Justice Department on. And O'Reilly. Yeah, he, he also just he also said that he the reason he ran was because of the very fine people hoax. So, yes. well, he doesn't know it's a hoax. I don't know. Does he? I don't know. Joe is a little scrambled, I think. But Bill O'Reilly did the homework, something that would be way too hard for me to figure out how to do about 
how many people and how many different events caused white supremacists to be arrested in the United States over the last couple of years. I think over the last two years, there was a grand total of like 200 people arrested on white supremacist related charges. Uh, you know, uh, can compare that to the uh, thousands that have been arrested just over the past few months with Black Lives Matter. But, you know, yeah, but the, they haven't been they haven't been charged. The white supremacists are the problem. Yeah, no question about it. No, no. They, they haven't been charged because they they only riot in the cities with Soros prosecutors who are totally on board with, you know, it's okay that you burned down that entire business and killed the entire family inside um, because you did it in the name of wokeness. And therefore we're not going to charge you. Right. You had, you had such good intentions when you killed those people. No problem. Yeah. Yeah, That is uh, again, if there was a real media in this country, that is where you'd be hearing it. But uh, this comes from the British press Gazette. When it comes to the Uyghurs, China's treatment of the Uyghur people in the province of Yinyang, I believe, has been widely condemned with U.S. governmental figures, among others, accusing the party of genocide. U.S. social media giant Facebook has not only allowed state-run outlets like China Daily and CGTN to publish posts that dismiss these concerns as Western disinformation, it has accepted advertising payments to help promote the content to millions so not only is facebook not removing this content they're allowing china to give them money to promote it congratulations facebook i a little douchey but i on the on the long list of things that social media companies do i cannot get nearly as worked up about uh, uh accepting money in exchange for services or or refusing to censor things neither of those is nearly as egregious as censoring right information on the other side which they are it, doing it, which is what it, makes if, this if they story. accept money for if they accept money for messages from both sides and they refuse to censor everything that's an ideal situation now, now so so if if facebook is accepting money for misinformation And they are allowing information through that might be wrong. And they're only doing it from one side. Then the egregious problem is that they're censoring the other side. Yes. No, I I fully agree because that's what we're seeing on social media. Again, the death of Rush Limbaugh is showing this in spades when it comes to the reaction on Twitter from those on the left. A lot of a quick conspiracy theory question. Who do you think killed Rush Limbaugh? I believe uh, the, the the God did cancer. That's uh, eventually everybody that, dies. I mean, I, wait, but, is that a spoiler yeah, but, for but some I mean, people? Which which three letter agency do you think gave him cancer? I don't think any of them did. I think it was. <laughs> I think it was a lot of uh, factors. And uh, you see, know, you're just no fun to conspiracy theorize with. Yeah, I, I don't think that. I mean, they've been trying to get him for a, a long, long time, but I, I don't believe that was the case. I mean, I, it could be a great idea for some conspiracy theory action because there was no doubt there is a lot of people that did not like the fact that he had an audience i mean he is the precursor to donald trump and the people on the left just cannot comprehend the fact that millions of people tune in to rush limbaugh cannot understand that 75,000 75 million People voted for Donald Trump, whatever it was. It was the most votes ever for a sitting president, which 
if you take I, that, I, I on think its it own, was the most votes ever for a presidential candidate. But that's because I discount all of the dead votes. Yeah, I would and, say and manufactured votes that should still be looked into. And it's like, it's, it's funny how the stories about the election fraud seem to be going away in a lot of cases, but uh, it still happened. Yeah. And I don't know if a lot of people even realize this that are on, you know, of one particular political persuasion that realized that Donald Trump for his second term got more votes than Barack Obama for his second term. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that just would should blow people's minds yeah. and go. And, and I don't think most people realize that that more people voted for Donald Trump than voted for Joe Biden either. Well, no, because the media is throwing one story around and which the uh, not to go too far down that rabbit hole. But what I think it's showing us is that the ability to get an accurate audit of something as important as a presidential election is still impossible with the way our system is set up and the technology that we currently have. And that is a well, scarier thought than most. The The technology could be made to be auditable. The, the big, the big impediment to getting a, a reliable audit of our voting system is that there are people in charge who have political reasons to not want an audit. Right. Cause they won. <laughs> Well, yeah, the one air well, quotes because because they need to maintain the illusion that they won in order to have any kind of of semblance of legitimacy in order to not generate the second American revolution. Well, the intriguing thing then becomes we saw what happened at the Capitol and the more information that comes out, it does appear Did that we? there were some people that were involved that weren't just, you know, your normal average trump supporters because if this was really what a majority of trump voters believe that this election was stolen and i believe people think there uh, was like 70 something percent of, of self-identified republicans in the latest poll still so, believe that the election was stolen and if that's true why aren't they being violent and out in the street i mean if this was the other side i have no doubt they'd be burning uh, stuff down because the nature of the word conservative is that you value the status quo. Um, usually you do that because you, you have value some law reason. And order. Yeah. Well, that that's the other thing that you, but um, you know, there are a lot of people who still want to have hope that law and order can prevail. Although I think that that hope is becoming more remote, but more importantly, um, if you are, if you are progressive, then uh, it, it is, characterized by a uh, political motivation that you want things to change. And that automatically lends itself to activism and combine that with the fact that most progressives tend to be young people who either don't have jobs or, or, you know, don't have jobs yet or otherwise have, you know, a lot of time on their hands and not much going on and no family to tie them down. Then it becomes very easy to just say, ah, screw it. I can either spend, you know, spend time at home doing Netflix and chill with nobody because I've never had the courage to go out and meet a woman or I can go out and riot on the street. Uh, either one, same thing. Um, conservatives in general, by being conservative, they tend to value the status quo. A lot of the things that lead to that are that you, you have some reason to, you have something to lose. If you go out and, and riot, you have a, you know, you've got a family, you've got holdings, you've got property, you've got, you've got some investment in the, the, 
current situation as it is, that might be a job that might just be savings in banks that you don't want to burn down. And uh, as a result, uh, conservatives are far, far, far less likely to be activists. In fact, um, the vast majority of conservatives are in the uh, category that Larry describes as uh, either uh, the the L- I always I always screw up the acronyms, but uh, they're either the uh, the IDGAFs, which is I don't care, or the leave me alone group. And I think that the the majority of conservatives are in the group of people that want to be left alone. If you know, I don't care if you go out and burn Portland down as long as I don't live in Portland right. and I don't have to hear about it. Right. I mean, yeah, because Portland, I mean, they, they deserve well, yeah, a good because Portland, but yeah, but you know, it, and, and they don't even care if you burn down Washington. You don't care. You know, it, it there are a large, large number of people out there who just want to, uh, you know, run their business, do perform their daily life, raise their family, be with the people they care about. And otherwise don't want to think about the world outside as long as it doesn't affect you. And the moment it starts to affect them, then, well, again, the first, the first inclination is, uh, okay, how do I deal with this? And it's going to take a lot of change and the world's going to have to get a lot worse for the people who quite rationally have decided that they don't want to be involved in politics and they really just want to raise their family to finally decide, okay, this is too much. Um, it's time to, you know, grab the shovel, pitchfork and gun and go <laughs> join the revolution. Yeah, not, I, I, yeah. We're not there yet. Yeah. I like the story too. The other day of the, I think it was an 82 year old vet, that uh, veteran, not guy that works with animals that a, he might've been both could have been that a, uh, somebody knocked on their door with some 61 year old guy, which, okay. It seems a little old to be uh, doing uh house invasions, but the guy got into the house. He pulled a knife. You start out ornery. You don't get less so with age. That's true. That's true. But this guy comes into the house. He's 61. The guy that owned the house, 82. His wife was 81 or 80, somewhere around there. And the guy pulls a knife and uh, the the guy that broke into the house and the homeowner, 82, grabs his shotgun, but didn't shoot the guy, but beat him to death with the shotgun. So, I mean, guns don't kill people. Really pissed off veterans who... uh, who who will <laughs> no guns are guns are just tools that can be used by humans humans kill people using tools all most of the time and a gun is a tool and in this case apparently it was yeah now one could argue that a baseball bat or a broom handle might have been a better tool but you know whatever's handy right whatever is handy. See, this by the way is why all of those old codgers when when you've got your your 30-06 hunting rifle or something bayonets <laughs> yeah you don't want to mess with those guys man you need a you need a little blade at the end. But I mean, you brought up the conspiracy theory, you know, with kind of the thing with Rush. Did you hear? Well, I was trying to. <laughs> okay, well, none of it. Let's dive into the conspiracy theory for a minute, because there was one in regards. Did you hear this about the Capitol riots during the impeachment? The day when that was uh, what last Monday, where it was supposed to be. Well, this is all going to be said and done, whichever day, maybe it was Friday that it was supposed to be ending. And all of a sudden, the Democrats are like, we're going to call witnesses now. And then all of a sudden they weren't. <laughs> Did you? I mean, we all everybody's heard that. story. I, 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 I unfortunately have. I I made every effort I possibly could to ignore the entire impeachment. Uh, I will admit that I went and watched a couple of the supercuts presented by the defense simply because they were entertaining as hell. Now, the whiplash 
on the Democrat side from saying they wanted to call witnesses to deciding, no, let's just take a vote and have this all be done, which if they were going to take witnesses, it could have taken weeks extra, but they didn't care. They wanted to burn Trump as much as they possibly could. But did you hear the reason? Now, this was I heard on this on Bill O'Reilly, and he said this was nothing more than what he had heard, which he rarely reports on that kind of stuff. But he said it was all over the place. So this was really making the rounds. I had not heard this reason. Did you hear the reason why allegedly the Democrats decided to pull the idea? They pulled the ripcord on the idea I, of I, doing. Witnesses. I have a pretty good idea what the real reason was, but that's almost certainly not the one that's given that you're going to mention. So go hit me with it. Well, it, it involves Nancy Pelosi, which unfortunately too many things in Congress do. <laughs> yeah, that is that is true. But the story is that the Republicans, whoever involved, whichever, uh, you know, particular politician or the person representing them, whoever that went to them and said, hey, look, we have evidence that shows Nancy Pelosi was tipped off over a day in advance that something like this was going to happen at the Capitol. And I guess she is technically in charge of the Capitol Police and Capitol Security because it, it, big speaker of the House. If true, that would not surprise me in the least. No. And so it, it, it seems really obvious to me that this is you know, just given by how quickly they picked up and ran with the ball. It seemed pretty obvious to me that at least part of this was a setup. Yes, that they had some idea coming in what was going to happen because you're right i mean government never moves fast and in this case they were ready to pounce on the situation and what the republicans basically said was we know nancy knew we know nancy did nothing and if you decide you're going to call witnesses she's our first witness that was the story o'reilly said made the democrats go "Ah, you know what maybe we don't need to do witnesses after all far be it from me to to claim something wildly conspiratorial like the Capitol Police let them into the building, but they didn't actually let them in, but they certainly didn't do much to I don't stop know, I wasn't them there. once they got in. Which, I wasn't there. I'm 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 not going to I'm not going to give us another opportunity to rage quit. Well, they're going after a lot of these officers, too, which is there's a possibility that yeah. some of them were involved. But it's like this is it's not good to be police in, in today because you you're getting shit on from both sides these days. Yeah, it doesn't matter whether you do the job. I mean, the guy that shot the woman coming into the secured location took a lot of crap for what a lot of people believe was just doing his job. I mean, it's not a great job, but unfortunately, when you're in the position of protecting people and there is a threat, you know, this is part of the job. It's not. I mean, same thing with the military. I mean, you could try to pretend the world is a you know happy go lucky place where everybody just skips and tells secrets, but people kill each other. And that's not changing anytime soon. I mean, would it be nice if that was if, if people stopped killing each other? Yeah. I don't know if don't I don't know, know wait, if that would be wait, wait, you don't know if people not killing each other would be nice. Well, what you're saying is for people to stop being human. There there yes. are a number of things about being human that are really frustrating. For example, people's tendency to kill each other. But if I, I just I mean I'm thinking about the dystopian sci-fi stories where you get, uh, you know, uh, uh, what was a, oh, it was a uh, great movie. Um, 
Firefly? No, uh, Serenity was the movie. Right. Where, uh, uh, Firefly was the, the, the short-lived television show. Oh, it was an awesome show, and I wish it had kept going. But uh, also, all of you people who think that it's going to be rebooted now, don't don't even. It, you, it'll screw with your nostalgia. It'll suck. It's just let leave it dead. But um, in Serenity, there was a, a, a line where the... Um, the assassin said, you know, started this by being early on in the movie, being philosophical and saying, you know, I want to, I want to see a world without hate. And then says, what do so you, you know, you, you think you deserve it? The assassin said, well, I would never be in that world, but I want to bring it about. And that was like, he, he was uh, a zealot assassin. And then at the very end, um, the, you know, at the risk of spoiling a movie from 2003, uh, the plot point was the government had. Uh, exterminated an entire population in order to cover up a huge secret. And uh, Mal, the lead character, says, uh, um, "You know, I'm I'm gonna when when he defeats the assassin, the assassin's like, you're gonna kill me.' And he says, "I'm not gonna kill you. I'm gonna grant your greatest wish. I'm gonna show you a world without hate." And and that's I, I don't know why I just told that story, but you you just gave me. The idea of, well, what if we did manage to create a world where nobody hated each other, where nobody killed each other? Would humans have a place? No, I don't think so. And I don't know where that all fits in. If that, you know, this is allegedly the utopia that everybody, I mean, Joe Biden, I think, is honest. And when he says he wants to bring unity, I don't think he understands the temperature of the world around him. I don't think he understands that there are a lot of people on the left in prominent positions making comments like, well, you know, these Trump voters, we need to uh, we need to reeducate them. We need to put them into camps. We need to make sure that this really, really bad way of thinking dies off. This is the very similar to uh you know so many different things that have happened in history but of course we don't teach history anymore so people don't know this and you saw i mean joe biden the night before rush limbaugh passed away so that would be was it tuesday the did a town hall and of course didn't get any hard questions of course he got a lot of softballs and one woman asked him about the division in the country. And Joe, believe it or not, said, you know, I don't really think it's as bad as most people think. If you go out into the normal streets and talk to people, I don't think the division is all that bad. And I believe that Joe Biden believes that, which, again, maybe you want to question the people that are providing him with his information, because uh, all you have to do is a simple look of what's the news stories in the world. And either everybody's lying in the news stories, which if that's possible, too, but then Joe Biden can come out and be like, well, the news media is bad. I would see now that would be great if Joe Biden started using the (laughs) fake news and was like, no, Trump was right. You guys are assholes. That would be genius. (laughs) Except he won't because he's a company man. Well, the concept. I mean, they got him elected. Yeah, well, the concept that he believes that there is no hatred or division in this country it's like joe please get with reality you know you know i've got i've got some i've got respect for uh, there's there's certain leftists certain democrats like uh tulsi gabbard uh who will i mean yeah i don't agree with her for example 
on a lot of policies. Um, she thinks that, that the second amendment is less important than the other parts of the constitution. I think she's wrong about that. Um, but she is at least willing to point out when a Democrat does something stupid. And I have a lot of respect for that. People like Biden, Biden is a company man. Uh, he knows that, uh, you know, solidarity amongst my in group above all else. And that, that attitude is absolutely disgusting because it's the, the same kind of thing that results in a lot of internal corruption being ignored as long as, as you're okay with it, as long as it helps your side. And that's the reason that we're never going to see any criticism from me of the mainstream media from any Democrat because the mainstream media are on their side. Right. It's and, you, and not only don't is, like the hand that feeds, not only is Biden a company man, but he is a guy who has vastly changed his politics over the years without any explanation, which I understand. Some people will grow. Some people will learn things and you'll have some changes in the way that you view things. But Joe Biden seems to have made vastly different uh, accounts of um, you know, different choices when it comes to politics based strictly upon what will get him elected. So I don't know if he has a backbone at all. I don't know if he has any well, real beliefs at all or if he's just been playing a game to get to this level and being a chameleon and saying because he was really tough on crime at one point he was more conservative the, than any conservatives are now the the 1994 crime bill yeah for example yeah <laughs> the, one, the one the one bill that has thrown more blacks in jail than than every republican policy ever but why did he get a pass on that well because he's not trump that's Be, how well because he's not up. trump because yeah. the media the media was not bothering to investigate or report on anything relevant as long as they could just say orange man bad, which was the only message you got through the entire campaign. Now I will, I'm, I'm not going to give him a pass for this because it's despicable when no matter who does it, but every single presidential uh, ca uh, candidate in every single race in, you know, every four years, um, they always radically change their politics, uh, even in, in real time during the race, not Trump in between, in between the primary where they always appeal to their base and every single leftist out there was okay. That, that, by the way, this didn't really happen nearly as much in 2020 because every, everything was one issue. It was, are you an orange man or not? That, right. that was really the only issue anybody cared about. But in a normal race, in every race that I've seen before, um, every candidate appeals to their base and is far radical right or far radical left, depending on which pa party you're pandering to during the primaries in order to get the most votes from your base. And then the moment that one candidate passes the primary, suddenly they become the most moderate creature in the world. And that in itself is is two faced and despicable. And uh, it, it just has always happened. Yeah, it has. I mean, but if Trump, I mean. Biden said, quote, there was well, not. OK, I'm paraphrasing that there was no vaccine in place. Yes. Paraphrased when, quote. Yes. Oh. When he took office, there was no vaccine in place, Biden said. Uh -huh. but, but he got the vaccine before he was <laughs> put into office. Does Joe well, not know that? I mean, is he confused? Uh, if this was I, if that was Trump saying something that was that obviously incorrect, where would the media be all over it? Where were they on this? 
nowhere. I, I mean, vac- the word vaccine has been redefined enough times that uh, I, I could see you making the argument of, well, underneath, under the CDC definition of, of, of this date and time. And, you know, at 4 p.m., it was changed, but it was at 3.51 p.m. that he claimed to have the vaccine. And so we were using the old definition. We I were circling back. Argument. Yeah. Yeah. We, oh, we could circle back. Yeah. We always Let's have not. to circle back. And. The the social media, I mean, the story I keep trying to get around to is just how Rush Limbaugh's death was treated on social media. I mean, the hashtag rest and piss was trending on Twitter. I mean, it's classy. Yeah, it's horrible. It is absolutely horrible. Now, if you know, if this was, you know, Jimmy Carter or something, I know he's still around, but he's close. Um, Do you think Twitter would allow that to happen if somebody on the left died? For the people on the right, which they never would, because it just doesn't seem to happen. Would never die. Well, that would never be that low as to use that kind of uh, conjecture. And uh, do you? I mean, if somebody can show me where this happened on a large scale with the conservative public attacking a liberal after they died, I'd like to see it because I. O'Reilly you just covered your ass with with on a large scale, which is very difficult to prove. Well, no, no, it's it's easier to prove because you could say well here i have 20 tweets or more that show this w- rather than oh well i found one or two people there's always going to be well, outliers yeah, and dicks, there's but- always and and uh, you know that was going to be my my counter argument is there's always going to be one or two people no matter what the bemrose uh, you know on, on a large scale the scale of of such a thing and in fact the scale of hashtags and the scale of what goes viral anywhere on the internet and the scale of anything on twitter is directly related to how many people are willing to freak out about it if right you if you say something you know if i say something on on no agenda social or in the troll room and i manage to trigger three people um you know that that only has so much reach even if i say something on this show and i trigger a bunch of people then uh it, it, however if if you say it on twitter then you have a 98 percent chance that nobody's going to read it because Twitter be like that these days and uh, that it'll go nowhere and that'll be the end of it. And there's that tiny minuscule chance that some easily triggered person looking for something to get outraged over is going to randomly stumble across it somehow and freak the fuck out. And suddenly everything blew up and you are the most horrible cancelable person in the world because you said this one thing you don't have any control over that. And nope. uh, the, I mean, statistically, is it going to happen on the left versus right more? Well, statistically, there are far more people out there uh, trolling all social media, looking for things to get outraged for on the left than there are people on the right doing the same thing. Well, it's just that one sidedness again. I mean, I think, well, we think we talked about it on Grumpy Old Ben's, our very first guru, Walkman. Oh, I've listened Buckeye. to that show. Yeah. Guru Walkman of Buckeye was booted off Twitter for a while for calling Alyssa Milano the uh, C word. And uh, I, I just won't say the word, not because Probably. we can't, but because he, he, our female he, listeners don't seem to like that. Do you mean capitalist? No, worse, but it rhymes with a <laughs> punt. And uh, he got kicked off for that. And immediately afterwards did a search for people on the left. Well, not specifically for that, but did a search for the word. And noticed a lot of people on the left hurling that r- word at uh, conservative people. None of those were taken down. So yeah. it's like, come that's, on. That's, uh, 
that's the selective enforcement problem that I have ran. I know I've ranted against on this show over and over again is when you have uh, too many regulations or regulations or laws or rules that are ill-defined and can be interpreted far too broadly, uh, then the people doing the enforcement have to make the decision of, am I going to enforce this instance or not? Because it's impossible to catch everyone. And the moment that you have that, you get selective enforcement. And if the people are biased to one way or the other, then that's what you get is the selective enforcement of, well, this person uh, is is a right-wing person, and therefore we need to throw the book at him and slam them as hard as possible. And this person over here who put exactly the same line in and objectively did exactly the same thing, um, but they had a tweet where they said BLM was good, so uh, we're going to give them the benefit of doubt. And that's selective enforcement. I've complained about that over and over again. Yes, it's which it's is- a, an in- inevitable side effect of having too broad a rules. Right, which is why the freedom of speech is the only thing that makes sense because you can't have just one way enforcement and expect that to be a need for these companies, which I still think that may be why Jack is considering over at Twitter, why the decentralized thing might be good for him. Because if they go decentralized, his ability to moderate nearly disappears and that takes it off his plate. Now you're, you're absolutely right. There's a bunch of activists that work for Twitter that might be really mad about that, but Jack just wants to make money. I don't think Jack is, is the ideal, uh, the idea, uh, ideologist that wants to silence everybody, but I don't think he has much control over his company when it comes down to that, or he doesn't want to go against well, the I, left either, when it comes. I, I, either he's an ideologue who is trying to drag the company down by taking it in directions that are bad for the share price, or he has no control over his company. Both of those make him a shitty CEO and he needs to be replaced. Oh, see that I would agree because he's not leading the charge, which is something that uh, radio legend Rush Limbaugh did that nobody else. I mean, I still cannot comprehend the audience size that he had, which I think it was like between 30 and 40 million people. And it's like nobody has that. It's enviable. Yes. How many of them do you think would be interested in Grumpy Old Benz? Um, I think a lot if they would actually hear the show because i don't think we are ideologically all that different than l rushbo we just uh are not quite as good as bloviating i mean he was a guy that <laughs> took know, we've been <laughs> we've been talking about uh, roughly the same story taking uh, allowing for some meandering for an hour and 35 minutes okay you're right we are just as good as bloviating so we just need the audience is um, you've, you've you've changed my mind on that immediately uh, because he did save AM radio and maybe FM radio as well. AM radio was dead when he started doing his show. And the fact that he made that relevant again for 30 years is pretty amazing with the amount of money that was made on stations that were almost uh, left for dead. I believe the uh, what I heard was when uh, when he started syndicating, there were like uh, twelve hundred. AM stations. And then that went like to 12,000 or 12, you know, there was a huge jump in the amount of uh, stations. I think, that- I think the best thing about that success was the, the amount of, uh, of jealousy that he inspired from people on the other side of the aisle who, who looked at the model and said, wait a minute, 
he's way too popular. How come we don't have anything like that? Oh, yeah. Do you remember Air America? I do, which which went nowhere. Yeah, uh, Franken, uh, you know, it, and uh, the, yeah, that network crashed almost as badly as the the Mel Gibson movie of the same name. Oh yeah, they thought, well, we could just we could reproduce what Rush is doing, but for a liberal audience. And it turns out the liberals don't, I guess, listen to talk radio. They don't overall have the, you know, I, they, I think that that's a part of it. The other part of it is. Uh, that uh, Russia's formula of doing this for people on the right was fulfilling a niche for an audience who was becoming desperate for some kind of media and news that didn't hate them. Whereas trying to pander to the left in the same way, you're automatically competing for attention with uh, CNN and M5 NBC and uh, democracy now and abc nbc cbs everything it's the reason why for a long time when fox was actually conservative they were by far the biggest net media network out there or you know media state because i uh, surprise surprise they were the only ones pandering to the right right you know if, if air america probably was killed by the fact that most people wouldn't jump over from npr which was already doing the same thing and i think the uh you can make the case that without Rush Limbaugh, there is no Fox News because he predated Fox News. Believe it or not, going back, there's well, a lot of people who just like, well, you know, you think all these things have always existed. No, kids. We remember a time before cable TV and there was before the Internet and the the landscape was completely different than it is now. I, I, I think without Rupert Murdoch, there is no Fox News either. But oh, without a doubt. <clears throat> But when it came down to talk radio, I mean, there's still a lot of talk radio like this, which is they open up the phone lines. Usually it's not one guy. I mean, most talk radio. Okay, there are some, but there's a lot of them that are two or three people and they open up the phone lines and they talk about a single subject for like 15 or 20 minutes, whatever it is, until the next break. And then they move on to the next topic after the commercial break. And you never really get too far into any of those things and you're kind of relying on your audience i mean it's easy content if you have people calling yeah. in it's also easy to make chapters for that content can yes. we try that again yes there's there's a new person calling in new chapter new topic and it's it's really easy to do that and it's like the difference also as i've talked about from doing podcasting a show with two or more people it's easy to have that conversation go on and on and on for two or three hours when you're doing a solo show, see also grumpy old Ben's. Yes. Uh, when you're doing a solo show, like random thoughts, the episodes are overall shorter just due to uh, the fact that most people can't go on for hours and hours. And Rush yeah. Limbaugh did that. It's only, only so long you can go without taking a breath or a sip of coffee. Right. And uh, Rush did that three hours a day. I mean, granted, there were breaks for commercials, but three hours a day. Mainly just him talking. I mean, he took some calls, but not a large amount. It was mainly a three hour monologue. And being able to do that is a skill that not a lot of people have. And I think it takes a little bit of practice as well. But uh, Glenn Beck said uh, once he asked him about that, which is, you know, before that on air light comes on, do you know what the first words coming out of your mouth are? And he's like, no. I have no idea. I mean, he did the research the night before he had all of his notes, but it wasn't until 
that he sounds familiar. Yes, that's how we do the show. You know, I it, mean, I mean, I before before you start the the Fletcher music, I I generally know the first words coming out of my mouth are going to be from America's left coast, but from then on, everything is ad hoc. Yeah, I've got notes in front of me, but yeah, there's no script. You're not, you know, you're not reading from anything. It's not like, well, this is going to be the first story and this is going to be the second story. It is very much free form. And that's how he did his show. And I think people do react to that in a way because it does feel more natural because whether it's you and I having a conversation or whether it's him, when you do the one person route, having a conversation with the audience, because they fill that part in. It's just way harder to do when you're the one talking because you have all of that time yes. to fill. Yeah. And, and because there's a delay and because the, the troll room tends to be full of trolls. Well, the troll rooms are good. We kind of, we like the troll room. Uh, the, one of the most amazing things Glenn Beck was talking about, about rush was when he had lost his hearing, which it was after a battle with uh, narcotics, with the prescription pain pills. And it caused his hearing to go. I mean, that's one of the downsides. All of these new laws coming out, and we're seeing these in a couple places now in the United States where it's like, nah, do whatever you want to do. I mean, if you want to abuse pain pills, that's great. That's not illegal because you're really the victim. Well, in the end, if you abuse (laughs) the evil, the evil corporations keep selling you these pills and the evil doctors keep uh, prescribing you these pills. And therefore, you're a victim for being the one to pop them in your mouth. Right. Yeah. You know, the doctor that argument, you know, take one every six hours. And okay, you're taking 50 every hour, but that's not that's not your fault. No, no, that's you have to blame somebody else. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sorry, I don't I don't accept that argument at all. I live with somebody who has a chronic pain condition and she is constantly talking with both me and her doctors about, okay, let's, let's set levels here to make sure, because you know, the thing that she is frightened of the most is becoming dependent on these things. And I have seen her uh, you know what, this isn't important, but I'm just saying no, it is. that the idea of, of, Oh, my doctor prescribed these pills and therefore I automatically became addicted is well, you, you you're not faultless in there. You are the one who decided to pop them like fucking Tic Tacs. Yes. Oh, there's no doubt. But making it completely legal, it makes it takes that barrier down and is probably not a good thing. Rush paid the price, obviously, with his hearing. And I give him credit for the fact that he was upfront and honest about that. I mean, that's the hardest thing when you're in the public eye. I think nobody's perfect and you're going to make a mistake. And the way you're going to be remembered is how you treated those mistakes. But when he had his hearing gone, he was doing the radio show and the way he took calls, because he was still taking calls, which I know at the time, I remember there was conversation. I've had that with different people like, well, how is he doing it? If you can't hear, how do you have somebody on the radio? Because it's not like he's he's using podcast transcriptions better. He had two full time court stenographers doing the real-time translate you know translation typing out what was being said which i guess if you have if you have enough money yeah why not (laughs) you know what i've got a new goal for grumpy old (laughs) Benz. you want to yeah you want somebody just transcribing what i'm saying and uh it just comes right in on the monitor And, and another one transcribing what i'm saying yes yes but that was the system worked as he had this wired up so the caller speaking would vibrate the desk that he had so he could keep his hands on the desk 
and he could feel the voice of the person talking. He could see the waveform because that was also coming up while the person was speaking. So you can kind of get an idea when somebody paused or how, you know, how loud they were speaking. And then the two people transcribing and the, the reason for two transcribing was, well, if one wasn't quite perfect or he didn't understand what they were saying or they made a mistake, he had the other one to do. And he was oh, doing sure. this live while he's responding yeah. to the people. That, that makes sense. And also so that you're not completely dependent on one person. Yeah, I mean, that's true. One transcriber could pass out. You're like, uh, yeah, we need. Yeah, we got a problem. <laughs> if, they don't, if they don't have Russia's stamina. Yeah. Oh, that's absolutely. I mean, it's it's hard to do. I, I can't imagine talking three hours a day i mean my voice goes just you know over the two hours of doing this show a little bit i don't know how you do it for three hours but he created a format that nobody else was doing and i don't think a lot of people understand that when it comes to even podcasting that just these solo monologues are very much based upon his style that nobody was doing before him this there weren't a lot of guys if any that were just doing a solo show not taking calls not answering questions and just going out there and speaking the truth and people hated him. I think a lot of it may have been that he wasn't a college graduate. you know. So it's like, well, who, why should we listen to this guy? It's like, well, because as we've talked about, today, are, are these the same people who who listen to every single word that Bill Gates says? Probably. Yes. Because he's going to save us, yes, from global warming or from this from this big COVID. They're going to save us because they're really educate although Gates I mean, isn't he, educated. He, even i have a college degree fuck you bill gates <laughs> bill doesn't uh the uh, zuckerberg doesn't but it's different when it's somebody on the other side i guess and uh this was one of the ultimate american success stories because he's a guy that came from nowhere started out his career working for the kansas city royals then started the radio thing and a very small radio station and got fired from a bunch of radio stations because he was just spinning music. So that's where he started, too, which is, you know, Rush Limbaugh wasn't created in a test tube and come out fully formed. He tried a bunch of different things. And no, that was Obama. Well, he was. Well, maybe. But was it an American test tube or a Kenyan test tube? That's the question. I, you know, I'm starting to believe it was a Chinese test tube. <laughs> was there COVID in that one? I don't know, but Rush is going to be missed whether you like the guy or not. I don't understand why we've lost the ability. A lot of people, I don't believe I have to have respect for the people on the other side, for people with differing viewpoints than your own. Have you seen the people on the other side? Yeah, I guess. When you see like the arrests from Portland. That's all I'm saying. Seattle. (laughs) And uh, you're like, you know, you don't, you're not based in reality and we need. We need people to point this out and extremes on both sides are not good. I just think we're putting a spotlight where there's not a lot of issues with, you know, this white supremacy thing while we're actually watching cities being burned down from the leftists. I mean, I have never seen. I mean, if I missed anything, everybody feel free to reach out and let me know where. Where was the white supremacist rally that burned down a town somewhere? I want to see that because I don't remember that happening in the United States in my lifetime. Uh, uh, Ruby Ridge. Was that the last one? Oh, I don't know. Waco. <laughs> well, that was the that was the federal authorities under Obama, right? Waco. Or no, was that Carter? Or, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, Waco. Clinton. Waco was Clinton. Clinton. Yeah. 
Janet Reno going in. Yeah. And then remember when she went into that poor Elian Gonzalez and grabbed that little kid and, and oh, terrified yeah. Yeah. him. Oh, yeah. Kids in cages. Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, it, my God. I saw some some freaking idiot Congress critter saying something about, uh, you know, we should we should not. Or the, I think it was to do with the impeachment, which is probably why I'm blocking it out of my memory. But I was saying, you know, we need to punish the any president who would keep kids in cages and we must not allow them to ever hold office again. And I'm like, you not understand the concept of Obama. Nope. And the vice president at that point, I mean, you think he should be held responsible too, right? No, no. (laughs) Joe doesn't even know what happened in blue douche. I agree. I can't respect anybody who really suggests putting a political opponents into reeducation camps. Those people are too far on the extreme, but there are people on the left that I have respect for. I, I, as far as I'm concerned, every human being, just by virtue of being a person, is worthy of a basic level of respect. And then the more I learn about that person's actions, that a level could go up or it could go down. And there are a number of people on the left who, through their actions, have taken that down to zero. Not not all of them, but there are a number of people, even on the left, who, through their actions, are are showing me that they're you know they they might be completely wrong about a lot of things but they're still decent human beings and worthy of some respect right now i mean you're absolutely right because you know if i would if there was somebody that i was friends or acquaintances with that i saw them online being like rush limbaugh rest in piss i would probably not talk to them anymore because it's like that is that's too far down the ladder for me that's just too so uh, while we still have a show i was i was about to segue so okay i mean i was just to say that's too far and some civility is necessary i think because when when people drop below that level of civility i mean i can't even imagine when somebody on the left i don't even care george soros dies and he will at some point probably we hope before right either that or he is an evil lizard person i don't know yeah if, if, if listen, somebody if somebody can get close enough to him with a crucifix and a stake maybe he will if now i don't know do they talk about him being a lizard person on uh sir seat sitters abs in a six-pack or did he not have the recorder running at that time always press record first chris just saying. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my God. He he totally fletchered that one. Just saying. Uh, but I, I can't even imagine as evil as I think George Soros is. I would maybe to myself go, well, you know what? I'm glad that guy's not around anymore. But I wouldn't be going online and going, ha ha, he's dead. Screw his family. Screw everybody that, you know, it's like, I don't. I think he is genuinely an evil Bond villain, but I don't wish death on him. What I wish is for him to stop affecting my life. And yeah. if, if that can be accomplished, then I don't care what he does after that. He can go live, live on for the next thousand years, drinking the blood of small children or whatever it is he does. I, I'm fine with that. I, I, you know, again, I don't, I don't wish death on my political enemies. What I wish is for them to stop being my political enemies and stop doing things that that screw with my freedoms right or that and they, if that can be accomplished then i don't care if they die yeah or maybe they come around to a different way of thinking perhaps and sir yeah, just I, that, that, would, that would be nice yeah that would be nice so at the risk of segueing before we go over the two hour mark uh do we want to talk about our live show on sunday is there one i mean we're, we've been debating that one 
because we, <laughs> well, we, we've done a piss poor job of, of advertising of marketing it. Yeah. Not a lot of promotion. And uh, I mean, I was hoping if we were going to do that Sunday show, that it would be a little different that we'd have a little more audience participation because a lot of people are in there already after no agenda. And then we got crickets, which is okay. I mean, I get it. The no agenda show. Hey, they were really very cute. Long. I fed them to my snake. Yeah. Well, the snakes, like they like the crickets. I get it. No agenda is a three hour plus episode and uh, see cold acid Sunday uh, is for no for agenda. these days. Now, is that, is that saying there's no room after no agenda for a live grumpy old bands? Is it too much? Is it too long of a period in a row? Are people wanting them? I mean, I don't know. Most of the time when no agenda is done, I mean, for me, it's a really long sitting on my ass experience because I do two hours on the pre-show before and then listen to no agenda. And then by the time that's done, it's been five to six hours and I'm ready to get up and go make dinner or lunch and do something else. So I normally don't pay that much attention to what's going on right after. I'm certainly more sensitive to your endurance with these things, because generally when no agenda is live, I've, I've got the show on, but I'm up, I'm moving around. I'm occasionally in the, in the kitchen doing dishes. I'll come back to the troll room to say something particularly pithy and insightful. (laughs) Um, But I, you know, I, I have, uh, you know, the, uh, it takes 10 minutes, 15 minutes to uh, prep the stream for whatever it is I'm going to do. I'd always do the stream updates during the no agenda show because that way it's not running, which is nice. Right. And you have Uh, plenty of time to do that. (laughs) And and there's no shortage of time to do that. Um, But I, I, what I haven't done is, you know, usually I'm, I'm up like it right at the crack of nine when no agenda is starting. I never catch your pre-show. Um, I'm definitely not streaming the pre-show. I'm definitely, so um, I'm, I'm more sensitive to your endurance. Uh, what I was thinking at the time was uh, we, we collect uh, a decent audience at this point after months and months of doing it at exactly the same time. We have well over a hundred people listening to this show live right now. Um, and not all of them are in the troll room, but, but quite a few of them are yes. trolling, which listening is what we live. expect. Because they tuned in specifically for us, which is a humbling thing. And we thank everybody that joins us live for these shows. Uh, but um, we we have plenty of evidence uh, that the crowd that whatever gets, you know, when when we talk about podcasts going on the stream, one of the most coveted spots, one of the, the spots that, that really is a benefit is dropping into the slot right after no agenda. And, and there's a couple of reasons for that. One is is because Adam tends to announce whatever the next show is. And that's great promotion. Whenever everybody on no agenda, hears the name of your show, but also no agenda has on average 1500 to 2000 people listening live. And, uh, about, uh, I'd say probably a third of those tend to stick around at least to find out what the next show is on. So dropping into that slot is, is really good. But, um, Adam has expressed on more than one occasion. And so have you that playing recorded shows on the stream is, is less valuable than doing live shows on the stream. Right. And I guess the question to grumpy old Ben's producers is, uh, is it valuable to try to, you know, if, if we were to say move one of our time slots to right after no agenda and then have, 
uh, you know, have a live show for pre-stream live, no agenda and translate into live grumpy old Ben's. Right. Or is that just not something anyone cares about? And we're perfectly happy doing it in the morning on the next day. Right. Well, that, that is the question because it's depending how the listening habits for the f- people that show up live. Is it more valuable for you to have grumpy old Ben's? On Monday and Friday, days that no agenda is not on, because this gives you two hours plus of content on those days. And that's something, this is one thing I didn't really think about initially, which is, well, if people are listening to no agenda, are they still wanting to hear another couple hours after? And we don't know with people with the no agenda live stream on, we see a bunch of them drop off as you said usually when the next show comes on that audience is down to usually what between five and seven hundred when the show first starts and then that can drop way down to and then if if the show is good then then maybe three or four hundred will still be on at the end and if the show is crap then 100 will be on at the end yeah i mean that is the uh that is the question i'm i'm not naming any shows but we have played some that really drove people off the stream Oh, yeah. Well, there there have been a few. I mean, there's one of the things that happens when you run a stream with such vastly different types of shows on. They're not all to everybody's liking. I mean, they're all not all, but a vast majority are people that are no agenda producers. So it's an interesting combination of topics and styles, which I really enjoy. But right. Some people are going to like some shows more than others and i just don't know if there's a fatigue factor just coming yeah. from okay i just listened to three and a half hours of no agenda do i want to listen to two and a half hours of somebody else or am i ready to do i mean there's no question am, the audience is I, allegedly larger at that point or it could just be people but, but recording the hand, show and and can they handle us after right. handling no agenda well i mean i think so because um, i'm seeing uh, you know i'm tones. seeing some things in uh let's see uh um a refractory period is necessary afterward. Uh, yeah. Uh, on no agenda social, don't do a Sunday show too much sex. gets annoying. Uh, <laughs> uh, Doug says headphoneless wires in a vagina. What? Yeah. I don't want to know what Doug's thinking. He's the craziest <laughs> bot around. Uh, I mean, that was the kind of the concept was, well, let's do a Sunday show more kind of to, uh, not be a grumpy old, you know, to have fun, to interact more with the audience. But then the more I thought about that, I'm like, well, is that kind of confusing? Because then people will think that's what we normally do. And there's there's no simple answer to this, except and I honestly didn't think of the fact when I said, hey, let's do the Sunday show. I never really went. Well, then we shouldn't do Friday or Monday. But then you pointed that out and I'm like, well, that's a good point. Like three, three live shows in four days might be a little bit too much. Yes. And uh, but if you don't do that, then you're changing the schedule where I didn't want to screw any of you. Five. I mean, 109 people in the troll room now that maybe were a little more a little earlier while we were bloviating. Um, I don't want people to show up on Monday or Friday and be like, well, where are they? Because it's a we have that schedule that is already kind of in stone, which I mean, it can be changed, but not at a last minute notice where I didn't want anybody to feel like, well, we're not getting the live show we tuned in for, but you're right. Doing a show Friday, Sunday, and Monday. I mean, I know we backlog stories and content, but I think that might totally wipe us out of content by, uh, by Monday. 
Do, do you think that the level of idiocy is insufficient to support? We we could we could do a two hour show every single day, and there's enough idiocy out there to support that level of ranting. But if we did that, then I might as well put a beanie on and start broadcasting to YouTube and change my name <laughs> to the pool guy. He's making good money, man. Yeah, but he's he's on all the time. I know Progo's always talking about him, and I'm just like, how can you watch Beanie Boy? I can't I can't take him seriously. He might say some really interesting things, but I just I don't know. There's a disconnect, but that's fine. There's a lot of people that have disconnects for so anyways, various reasons. It, it was a thought. Uh, it, it, the, the thought was, you know, for grumpy old Ben's, we we're looking for what can we do to uh, to promote the show to more people. And uh, I don't believe that we've saturated the no agenda audience. And of course, I would like to capture all of them right. and make it so that it's actually the grumpy old Ben's stream that no agenda runs on. We'd like to uh, capture all of the no agenda audience and put them in our basement. Yes. It's a big basement. Yeah. Very um, it, it was even checked out by Joe Biden, but he decided that it, <laughs> it didn't, it had too much social distancing. Yeah. He didn't, I'm, yeah. He, he didn't want to, he didn't like what we had offering for him when it comes down to, uh, he just needed uh Pablum and, uh, and Jared. Hall. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, Joe, it's okay. You come over. And all we had was hookers and blow, right? We only had hookers and blow. I mean, sir, seat sitter makes an interesting uh, point. We could do like one Sunday show alive a month or something like that. It's Cause that was really, my thought would be nice, especially because all the trolls are there. And if people are interactive, that would give us the opportunity to take live calls and to do a show different than we normally do. But then, you know, is that still grumpy old Ben's then? Or, I mean, or it's it, it's a good question. I don't know that we're going to solve this today or right now. Uh, would would love to hear from. Uh, some trolls, but also from some experts find out, uh, you know, what, what do you guys think? We're, we're just trying to figure out, you know, what are the next steps? Where does the show go? Or do we just keep doing what we're doing? Um, and if we don't hear anything at all from anyone, then we'll just assume <laughs> that you love what we're doing and we'll either do more of it or we'll change it or well, see, screw you. See, that's maybe good. I maybe like we'll that just, idea. Maybe we'll just forget to turn on the recorder a couple times and. <laughs> Chris, um, but I, I like that idea. If if people don't say anything, we think you love us. That's the greatest. If you if you tell us nothing, we're going to assume you think we're the best podcast ever. Yes. Well, we know that, but uh, let's just. I mean, we'll have to assume it if you don't tell us. Cold test. It says add a Wednesday show. Uh, I mean, they're demanding three days a week now. And if that's the case, then yeah. we do like. Well, that's that's what we were proposing was was Friday, Sunday, Monday. Yeah. See, we're really bad at spacing things out. That's what yeah. it comes down to. It's like, why don't we do three shows? But let's do them all on Friday. Yeah. In fact, we might <laughs> if, if we add a fourth, it'll be Saturday. Right. Yeah. There you go. Just four in a row. We don't know how to space things out, but we would like to if we're going to do that first Sunday show. I just wanted it to be spectacular. And we did a horrible job because we did the whole show on Monday. And never mentioned it. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's that's not good. So our, our marketing game is a little down. We need to get Carl from uh, Rochester in and uh, he can help us with our marketing game, and, I think. Yes. And Cal from Lavender Blossoms. Yes. Boomer, we talked about that no agenda post game show kind of a thing. I mean, that wouldn't be grumpy old Ben's. But I mean, I guess there's all, always the ability we could do something like that, not call it Grumpy Old Ben's, and then just tell everybody about Grumpy Old Ben's. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a completely different show. This isn't Grumpy Old yeah. Ben's. This is the No Agenda Post yes. Show, which just I happens to be Grumpy I, Old Ben's. I, 
actually, I, I honestly believe that uh, most of the people who listen to Grumpy Old Ben's don't do it because we have a particular format. That might be one of the things that draws people in. That's but true. I think, We're all over. I think most of the people come in here to listen to your amazing voice and and my incredible insights and just wish that, uh, you know, if I it would be a great solo show if if all of the awesome things I have to say could come out in your voice. You are always insightful. That's uh, yes. With a C sometimes, sometimes with an S. Yeah, there's there's uh, no question about that. But we do have some experts to thank while we're uh, while we're at it, which is a beautiful thing. And we do have uh, two executive producer on uh, producers on today's show. And the first is our buddy Cal of Lavender Blossoms, who comes in with one twenty three fifty eight. I mean, it could have been one, two, three, four, five, but it's one, two, three, five, eight. Why? I don't know. I'm uh, guessing it's a show number. It, oh, he's, a show? he's expecting us to get all the way to show 12,358. <laughs> well, uh, well, let's see. We're close. I mean, we're at show 136. And I mean, almost there. Yeah, he could have had a show donation, but just a little short, but, it, you know, close. He says uh, playing catch up here. Not much time for podcasts lately. Since I'm trying to homeschool our little ones, second and third graders, fun, he says. And I, I don't think that's I don't think that's really capturing what's well, going on. I, I, I have to stop and thank Sir Cal for yet something else, which is uh, I, I mentioned earlier, and I don't know if I was allowed to mention this, that my wife has chronic pain issues. And um, when she has reached the self-imposed limit of of the. Uh, opiates or or prescription drugs um sometimes you know it just needs a little bit more and sir cal has provided products which help immensely with getting through some of the tougher days and uh we just got our our second shipment from from sir cal uh you know, making an order of his uh extremely valuable products and uh, in in the shipment came all of the stuff that that my wife ordered and uh, a handwritten note that said, uh, uh, hi, thanks for your order. When I saw the name Bemrose on here, I just knew I shuddered. That, <laughs> yeah, well, that might have been it. But um, so I on on behalf of my wife want to thank Sir Cal and thank Lavender Blossoms. They make an outstanding product that um, we have already uh slipped into our our medical retinue oh that's a like a five dollar word retinue. Uh, it's french my wife loves the stuff and when i mentioned that cal came in with a donation she said she uh, needs some more stuff ordered so this is really the evil system cal has going on is that he donates to the show and then we just buy his goods with the money he sends us and it all works out because it is excellent stuff and you should go to lavenderblossoms.org check it out there's good salves and uh the cbc uh, uh cbd stuff is fantastic the, for- the canadian broadcasting company not so much right uh if you have arthritis something like that if you have any kind of you know muscle aches and pains the stuff works magic i've been told i don't have that problem yet but at least i know i got something if i have issues my mom swears by yeah. it my wife swears by it and uh, I, you know i i have the occasional aches and pains and i just treat them with ethanol whatever you got to do. But I mean, Cal, we feel your pain doing the homeschooling, but that is doing the work. Do you have kids? I don't know about. No, I, but I feel the pain because I, I mean, can only I, imagine. I, I sympathize, but I don't feel the pain. Oh, but God, it's, 
oh, not easy to do. Although homeschooling no. now is important. Because I don't even like other people's children. I don't even know how I'd stand it if I had my own. I know. And it, the education system is getting worse and worse. The, uh, as I think I mentioned on one of the last episodes, Illinois, of course, is going through on this whole new change, which is they're going to force teachers to teach the whole BLM leftist ideology. And, you know, so we're, we're, we don't care about teaching kids anymore about math because math is racist. But, you know, we have to teach them how they can go out and riot and loot because that's the important and, thing to teach that ideology. And and from the troll room, uh, one of our number one nerds is pointing out uh, cold acid says that one, two, three, five, eight is uh, part of the Fibonacci sequence. Um, I don't know that anybody that isn't cold acid would necessarily pick up on that, <laughs> but he is correct. So um, maybe that's it. And if it is, uh, feel free to send us a note and <laughs> or, uh, or another donation. Yes. Cal says stay warm, which I mean, I'm, we're doing. We're, actually we're working on it. We're probably better than uh, I've got a robe and a cat right now. Oh, that's double the heat. I just uh, I just turned the heat on, except I don't have to put wood into my uh, furnace to make it warmer. And uh, I can tell. I mean, I know there are some podcasters out there uh, like Fletcher and Carolyn Blaney. I'm looking at you of the Hog Story show that when they're doing the show, they turn off their air conditioning or their heat because you might hear the fan going in the background. I'm not turning off the heat. Yeah, the no, noise gates are a thing. <laughs> yes. Get a noise gate way better than freezing to death or sweating to death. Just saying. But thank you, Cal. And people oh, check out lavender noises in the background. Yeah. Definitely not coming through the noise gate. But are you hearing this? No, I hear silence. Oh, OK, good. <laughs> Why is the cat doing things again? Oh, the, the cat is in the other room just cowling, yowling at the top of his lungs. He's like, hey, dumbass, where's my food? And you're like, yeah, that might be it. I'm doing a show. I'm doing a well, show. I, uh, we didn't have a fire last night and I didn't start one this morning. So it's pretty cold in this room right now. And he wants to go downstairs where the basement is uh, up against the earth where, or, you know, the foundation in the earth. So it, when it gets really cold on the upper floors, it's still a little bit warmer down there. So that's where he wants to be. I think not a bad idea coming in next at 55, 10 double nickels on the dime, sir, Lee mofo who donates quite a bit to Grumpy Old Benz. We appreciate that. He's working on his guruship, as is Cal. He says, thanks for being a dependable place to turn for news, in quotes. See, he knows the news is in quotes. Thanks for being a dependable yeah. place to turn for well, news. You know, we don't even, we don't even <laughs> claim to be a news show, but we provide more useful information than The Guardian does on the best of days. I, I can't argue that. Uh, the place to turn for news, tech, insight, and lots of opinion. Um, yeah, tech, it's more like we incite tech than uh, have insight into it. But I mean, it's OK to incite things. I, I can do both. We can incite. Multi talented. Our, oh, can we incite while being insightful? Now, there's yes, there's a trick. But thank you, certainly Mofo. Also coming in, Sean McCune with 25 bucks. That's a new name, I believe. And it looked like it was the beginning of a monthly donation. He didn't send in a note, but that is one hell of a monthly donation. If so, and we. Thank you, Sean. If you have any notes or any uh, comments, I mean, tell us what you want us to do on Grumpy Old Benz. Uh, you know, we I, there are people out there for whom we are providing that much value. It's, I think so, we do a decent show. I mean, we're not, you know, Rush Limbaugh, but we are doing a well, we're, You know what? We're better than he is going to be from now on. That's true. We're going to continue to produce episodes. And uh, but Rush, he's just such a quitter. He is. 
you know, that was that was one of the other memes. And in case some of them were minorly funny, like Rush Limbaugh claimed to be pro-life, but then he went and died. Like, what? <laughs> what the hell? I know it's like for some. See, but here's the thing with some people, you're like, you know what you're saying, right? I mean, this is a joke, right? I, when it's hard to tell what's joke, a joke and what's serious, then, you know, you have uh, an issue. But I mean, that's why I've got my RE20 uh, microphone. Uh, pose law in effect. I want to know if Rush is actually made out of gold or was just dipped. I mean, he can afford it either way, but uh, that microphone always looked awesome. And coming in also today, two folks with $3.33 donations, Rayford Bacon the third, which I did have bacon this morning, and I did make a meatloaf yesterday, chopped up some bacon, put it inside the meatloaf. Delicious. Everything is better with yeah. bacon. That's that's like the the turducken. Like uh, yes. you know, we know we know you like meat, so we put some meat in your meat and then put that into some other meat. Right. Well, you know, you got to try to keep it, you know, moist, and that can be hard to do. Making this in an air fryer, and I'm trying to stick to kind of the keto thing. So I got some oats, some keto friendly oats to use instead of breadcrumbs. And I've never made a meatloaf before, but I just threw a bunch of crap together. And uh, put it into the air fryer, and it seemed to work. I'm I'm not convinced breadcrumbs are low carb, but the no, rest of that sounds fantastic. They're not. That's why I use these special oats that are low carb oats. Not instead of breadcrumbs, I used oats. Okay, and it worked. Seemed to work. I mean, it's uh, just crazy stuff with the keto. Like, see, I I've always been on the taquito diet. See, that's a that's a completely different diet. I still actually can't wrap that my head be, around it. <laughs> that would be terrible. Yeah, I mean, not healthy in any way, shape, or form. But no. I no, got, and you'd never leave the bathroom. Yeah, well, that's true. But see, that way you'd lose weight because you can't eat more if you're in the bathroom. Maybe that's yeah. it's like the White Castle diet. It it's the same concept. Oh, God. oh, oh. yeah. I just don't understand this keto thing. But it, 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 there's evidence that it works. It's like okay, so I can eat bacon and cheese and meat all day long, uh huh. But I can't eat bread. Right? Okay, I can do that. I, I you. Know, Sounds worth it. Yeah. It's an expensive diet to be on, though. Oh, it is. All that. Especially especially after the, you know, once the the new uh, green policies all go into place and we end up, you know, canceling all farmland and, you know, no meat for you. And suddenly the only meat you're going to get is the impossible burger and and a cricket burger. Yeah. No meat, no sugar. And well, even stuff like I've noticed uh, the first time. In a long, long time. I think we tried it once before, but I bought almond milk, you know, instead of regular milk. And I'm just using that in my coffee rather than the creamer. So, you know, cut down on the sugar. And, you know, there's a couple easy things you can do. And I yeah. don't, I'm, I can't see doing this long term, but I can. Hashtag black coffee matters. Yeah. For a month or two. And I've been doing that more too, which just means I'm going to have to buy more expensive coffee because it's, it's nice to just buy the cheapest K cups you possibly can and then throw, you know, like a bunch of Snickers creamer in it. Cause sure. It's, it's going to taste it's the, the same. Starbucks model. Yes. Burn the hell out of your shitty cheap beans and then put so much sugar and milk in your drinks that nobody cares. See coffee to me is very much like whiskey, which I start drinking it. Cause you know, you're drinking something and then you start getting slowly into it for the coffee. It was just, I, I just need the caffeine because soda is really unhealthy. And I need caffeine to not get massive migraines. So coffee is the way to go. It's cheap. It's easy. It's accessible. But I really didn't like the taste of coffee. But then it it's a acquired taste, as they say, that you start cutting down on the sugar and cream in it. And you go, oh, you know, the bitter coffee. I mean, not 
all of them are super bitter, but the straight black coffee, if it is a decent blend, is yeah, if, if you good. get if you get a if if you don't like bitter coffee, um, first of all, stay away from the dark roasts, which is what you get when you go to uh, a bulk espresso stand. Uh, it, I don't you know what? I don't need to go into this, but uh, one of the re- ways that Starbucks manages to make no matter where you are, no matter where their beans came from, no matter where you get a cup of coffee, every single one of them tastes exactly the same. And that is uh, the roasting process can bring out two different flavor profiles, depending on how you go. One is the flavor profile from where you got the beans, which is the, uh, you know, you get whether you get them from Ecuador or from Kona or whatever. And the other is the flavor profile of the roast. Um, and the darker you roast it, the more you get the roast profile and the less you get the bean profile. And so a light roast, you're definitely going to get the bean profile of how the beans taste. Uh, a dark roast, you're going to get the the roast profile now um starbucks being a big corporation who wants everybody to have exactly the same cup of coffee whether you get it in in new york city or in austin or seattle or uh, china they want every cup of starbucks coffee to taste exactly the same the only way to do that is you have to completely remove the bean profile and so for that they roast their beans into dark hard specks of charcoal and then filter that and then to get rid of the only thing is the darker you roast it, the more bitter it is. And you filter that with a crap ton of sugar and milk. And then nobody really cares how bitter it is. But if you drink black coffee, then dark roasts are bitter. And if you're not used to that, then you're going to be turned off the of coffee. So my advice is if you want to get into real quality coffee, start with either a light roast or a medium roast. Uh, the, my, my suggestion is go for a, a local breakfast blend or something like that. And what you're going to end up with is you're going to experience the the bean profile of what you're getting with only, uh, uh, you know, it'll it'll if your beans are slightly oily and still not black, then eh, this isn't an advice show. Screw you. Go do your own research. We'd like to thank you for being along with Coffee Talk with Ryan Bemrose here on NPR. Next week, we'll be talking about green tea. But really, I mean, there you could do a whole show on coffee. There's no question about it. Uh, I, I take my coffee seriously. As you should. You got to have something seriously. That was my uh, my doctor when I talked to him. Phone visit, which was really weird. The first time I've ever had a phone visit with my uh, general physician. Because, well, one, the offices were already going to be closed on some of these days because of COVID, even though cases are coming way down. But this turned out to be the blizzard day. So, I mean, it really it worked out well to have the phone visit but he was talking about if you want to live to 100 years old and i mean some people do some people don't i mean want to i mean that's the case uh he said the most important thing they found is low blood pressure and a hobby and my blood pressure has been running a little high i mean i do a show with you they should take that yeah i have that effect on people should take that into consideration i don't i don't personally have high blood pressure but inexplicably everybody around me does yeah i mean that's weird there's like nothing in common there um but yeah i thought the weird thing was the hobby he's like so you know you need a hobby and low blood pressure and you can live to 100 which makes sense if you're passionate about something something that gets you up to uh you know every morning that you want to go and i remember gary vaynerchuk when he was first talking about podcasts he's like if you really like ketchup you could do a podcast about ketchup and i'd love to know if somebody's doing a podcast about ketchup 
like every week that would be uh that would be intriguing i mean we could probably pull it off because again bloviating but i digress also coming in at 333 is keith shoemaker who we send out a big grumpy old benz you are now an expert welcome to and i had to take a double check uh double take because i knew a guy for a long time named keith shoemaker and i was like is that the guy no different keith shoemaker which is why as we talked about with things like the person tag with the podcast you have to tie something else to him because there's multiple people yeah with the same damn name but all of you well, we you think- can give it a url and uh you you know uh, the the most obvious form of that url is if you have a personal website you'd link it to there but you can also link to something like a Podchaser account yes and you don't have one yet we need you on the Podchaser so yeah. people can get a, a feed of all the episodes you're on which- I, I, that sounds like a, a recipe for e-stalking that does uh, also um, a quick search of the podcast index for the word ketchup returned 56 results. Oh my God. I mean, for uh, including some or- podcasts, let's see. Welcome to ketchup louver. L O O V E R. Um, the ketchup show podcast, ketchup talk, uh, the family ketchup podcast. That might actually be people named that. <laughs> ketchup, um, yeah. I would like uh, to have that name as a kid. Ketchup. People are like, where's mustard asshole. A show called No Ketchup by uh, the author is Sports Talk with Sean and Nick. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Pass the Ketchup is. Yeah. I Okay. You know what? There are a lot of ketchup podcasts out there. You need to pick something more obscure. Yeah. I wonder how many of those people actually listened to Gary Vaynerchuk and went, I like ketchup. And then started I, the podcast. <laughs> I, don't, I, I suspect very few of them did. I think that that the. <laughs> That the internet just be like that. <laughs> yeah, the internet be crazy. But Keith Shoemaker, Rayford, Bacon the Third, Sean McCune, certainly Mofo and Cal of Lavender Blossoms. Thank you for supporting the grumpiest podcast in the universe. And we work on the value for value model, which means whatever value you got out of this show for a lot of people, it's three dollars and thirty three cents. That's fine. That's a great number. If enough people do that, that keeps us going. Then you got Cal of Lavender Blossoms with one hundred twenty three bucks because he finds value in the show. We appreciate that. It's a sliding scale. You get to decide how much value you've gotten out of the shows. Maybe we've taught you something. Maybe we've made you laugh. Maybe you're like, I'm glad I'm not the only idiot that said inaugural. And then everybody feels better. It's a community. And we appreciate everybody being a part supporting the show. And if you want to do so, grumpyoldbends.com is the place to go. You can click the donate button there for PayPal one time or monthly. You can use the QR code or Bitcoin address for Bitcoin or You can use the snail mail address to send us something that will probably take way too long to get here. But we appreciate it all. Uh, It's a beautiful thing. We we call that asynchronous donation. It is. It's asynchronous. They send. It takes some time. There's a lag. Thanks. That's how communication used to work back in the day when when not everybody had a computer in their pocket. Do you I, I I know I'm not the only one, but I still. I still have nostalgia for the days when it was accepted and allowed that, hey, I'm going out for errands for a couple hours, which means that the next time any human being will be able to contact me will be when I get back. Right. Or it was you were like the really cool one that were like at a restaurant and they're like, are you Mr. Bemrose? Yes, you have a call. No, that was just as annoying as having a pager (laughs) or a cell phone today. Yeah. That's true. And there, I, I do have a story that uh, we, we don't have time to cover today, but there was uh, 
when is the right time to get your child a cell phone? I mean, you probably know what my answer is, but I, yeah, I thought there was it, some uh, interesting content in there. And, it, it depends. Is it an OTG phone? Yeah, well, you're right. And it's nice to be off the grid, not being accessible, but it's uh, I'm just telling you when when we got in the on on the high, like a road trip, we we'd go off to grandma's house, which was was 300 miles away. So it was it was a hell of a trip about uh, six, six hours or so. And sometimes um, you or Bemlet got left at a rest station uh, is sometimes intentionally as annoying as we were in the car. <laughs> Um, w- w- my dad always made me, you know, uh, Bill and I were in the back seat. My dad always made me sit on the right side because that way, whenever we were doing, you know, whenever we got really annoyed or with each other or loud or fighting or something, he'd just reach back and punch me. <laughs> <laughs> well, then you had to punch Bemlet. I mean, what's the, uh, well, usually it's cause I started it. Ah, you see, instigated. except for the part where Bemlet finally started figuring out that he could start it and dad would punch me. Yes. Inciting. And he, he, but those. <laughs> Those were the road trips where you would you would call before you went and said, hey, we're leaving now. See you in six hours. And what you didn't have was the person on the other end calling you every half hour. Hey, where are you guys? When are you going to be here? That is the most annoying phone call when I'm on a road trip is having the freaking phone ring while I'm in the car. I'm like, yep, still driving like I said I would. Well, see, now if you had an Apple phone, they could just pull up, find my friends and see exactly where you were. Wouldn't that be convenient? Yes. And then they would locate uh, like, oh, they appear to be underneath that bridge in the river that they crossed. <laughs> That's one way to do it. Um, yeah. Overload of information. I did see an article. It must have been on Lifehacker, which was like admonishing people for making a phone call before texting first i'm like screw that i mean i know this is a generational thing but if i want to talk to somebody i'm not going to be like hey texting hey can you can you talk i'll just call and if they don't pick up the phone they don't pick up the phone maybe i'll leave a message but this concept like there's a new new uh social construct that oh you have to you have to text before you call somebody well i i'm sure that that's a perfectly reasonable protocol for uh, a certain set of people who know each other and understand that. But what's ridiculous about that is the idea that there's any single protocol for all communications between all people. That's, yes. that's a, that's a classic, uh, classic leftist idea of, of if at all possible, let's make sure we can treat all humans exactly the same and erase their individuality so that we can pretend that each one of them is identical and we can only think about them in terms of demographics. Just slap a number on them. A tattoo a number on them is that how it works i think so where we're going that's where the left is that's why they don't we want should us end to this teach show this. before that happens yeah that's why they don't want to teach history so they can repeat it and be like oh is that what happened back then oh i thought that hitler guy was a hot dog salesman i didn't know i don't know I, I have no idea the world's crashing the world's burning but grumpy old bends we are your lighthouse amongst these choppy seas of life that's why you're here and we appreciate it and we appreciate you and we will be back again at some point to do another show until then i am darren o'neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle america just outside of a shy rack where well it's all the same really and from america's left coast where some people are content to watch the world burn and some of us like to add fire i'm ryan bemrose 
oh, damn, I overstepped you. That was so rude. That's because I forgot to say my name. (laughs) I am Ryan Bemrose, though. (laughs) 